Welcome everyone. You are listening to and perhaps watching Calling the Audible. Mo Khan has been eaten by a cat. Joining me is the Eagle at Master Control. He is an animal of a different variety. He is also present in studio. Um, I. You, you should be here sorry? too. But I should I mean, be. Next Hopefully week. this is this is my last uh, week ever broadcasting from the home studio. Uh, but here I am. Um, how's it going, Eeks? I mean, we were kind of like, obviously week one, the setup is longer because it's getting things back into the rhythm of it. Like how everything it's so late. Yeah. So <laughs> we're about two hours late as to when we wanted to record. Yeah. I forgot what music we have as our intro. So that was fun. Our graphics are it coming in as like, the show goes on. So this will be fun. It feels like a long time since we've done the show. Um, I also saw on one of the assets, Eagle, that you wrote uh, "Winter." Welcome to Winter 2022. Mm-hmm. If you want to show the good people. Yep. Um, so what's interesting is by the fourth episode, we'll be in spring. True. Like, yeah, not season. Fun. Spring, the, the season, you know, so um, enjoy the last bits of winter. It's the worst parts of, uh, of uh, Montreal seasonality is uh, the February ice and frigid cold. But Probably about three weeks time, we'll we'll start seeing that all melt. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so to invite everyone a little bit behind the scenes, Eagle and I barely spoke about what we're going to do today. Normally, Mokan joins me joins me on the show. We and typically have script. guests from all other divisions and write the script. Um, Eagle and I work on another show called Hot Sauce Sports. Um, we recorded that before this one so it was a long day the script is kind of up in the air it's going to be a fun show though we got some stuff planned some stuff we're going to plan as we go on uh so you'll be privy to our it's it's kind of a show about a show today um so i'm, I'm excited about that uh you actually get to see eagle too usually you'll see myself you'll see uh mo Khan. um uh, so mo is not here this week i will be leaving early next week so i'm only going to be uh and in about I'm half not the show here next, next week. week either funny enough yeah, it's it's very transitional to start the season. Uh, we also need to train someone to do this if you can't be here next week, Eagle. So that sh- that'll be interesting. Um, so so please, first of all, thanks for the audience who doesn't know who you are. Yeah. Why do should they care about listening to you? Oh, you absolutely shouldn't. Um, or consume any sports media of any sort. It's bad news. Uh, but if you're so inclined uh, to torture yourself, my name is Pease Delariz. I work for FPF. I worked for FPF for a long time. Um, one of the things that I do is I cover uh, the entire league on this podcast, but I also write the article for Division 6. Um, as We'll talk about Division 6 first tonight. Uh, as we go into the other divisions, I'll talk about who will be writing the article. You, of course, can find the article corresponding to your division on www.flagplusfootball.com. Because this we're starting with Division 6, it gives us the opportunity, of course, to introduce ourselves, the show, what we're doing. Uh, Eagle, I'm also not running a clock, so every 15 minutes, just yell 15 at me. I got you. Um, great. I appreciate that. Um, I, I'll enjoy that extra bit of chaos. Uh, in terms of a style of coverage, anarchy is probably what best describes what I do. Um, I like to have a good time. I don't take sports that seriously. So the people who like me tend to share that sensibility. And people who hate me, I enjoy that so much. I really do hope to uh, 
to have you yell at me, scream at me, see all sorts of nasty things because it really helps me fuel my hatred for you in return. So please, please do so. I try to be at the fields uh, now and again. So if you do see me, feel free to talk to me. Tell me about your team. Tell me what I got wrong. Tell me what I got right. I'll only listen to what I got right anyway. In terms of a player, um, I am playing in Division 4. I'm playing for Hot Sauce Sports, the team named after uh, Eagle and I's podcast company. Um, and Eagle, you are the producer of the show. That is correct. Uh, been producing for I want to say ten years now. Feels like a lot. Yeah, we joined uh, togetherish. Yeah, I think you started a season before I did, and you you brought me in. You and uh, Andrew Dana, who no longer works for the league, and uh, we've been uh, hetero life mates ever since. Yep, and Juan um, would normally be here, but like I said, he can't be here tonight. He has other broadcasting duties that are important for his career so we're letting him do yeah that. they're filming him being eaten by a cat yes that is correct that's uh, what's happening they will eat like you a good scorsese movie devices. you know usual <laughs> mocha no longer plays he used to play for fpf's first dynasty uh montreal's finest where he was the worst player um so I, although i always say uh, for the media guys our best options is usually to make us the worst players on any team dan lazara notwithstanding the season um, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk to a lot of the other media guys as the season, as the season goes on, um, uh, as guys sort of get their, their, their bearings. These podcasts should be out Friday morning. I imagine Eagle. Yep. Uh, the articles will start trickling in around then as well. The weeks end Wednesday. So by the time the articles come together, you're looking at uh Friday morning, Saturday morning releases. I've tried to get the guys. I also, uh, as a side note, deal with the media team. Um, so we all work together, of course, and uh, I've sort of put out the messaging that I'd like to get them off Friday. It's better for everyone involved, players and um, the writers themselves, to get it off Friday because, of course, more people read what they've done. But I, I know it's a tall order. So hopefully Saturday before games is the best time. Uh, if you haven't seen it by Friday, do take a look as you're getting ready for your game because uh, it's, uh, it's usually going to be up there. Uh, we also have Game of the Week, which will be a feature where we uh, – we, broadcast one of our games each week uh chris rive our camera guy will put that forward uh join us on instagram lance daniel does a great job putting up uh some content for us some of you have already responded and we will uh take a look at our media mailbag this week and see what you guys have uh ig'd for us uh what you've decided to ask us about that's going to span all divisions so we'll do we'll drop that in the middle as a little bit of a break for eagle and i uh, but for the next three hours, you have our voices to look forward to. Uh, this week, of course, we take team pictures at the field. So, so you'll see uh, James Dandria and a couple of other employees roaming around the field taking pictures. Uh, we also take pictures throughout the season as well, just to make our uh, media coverage as comprehensive as possible, make it as interesting as possible. So keep an eye out for all of that. Uh, and also, we welcome your input. Talk to us. Reach out to us. If you see us at the field. If not, I, I'm easy to find. I'm at P. Delaraca on Instagram. Um, I'm at Zach Del- Eagle, and you have uh, at MoCon19 for uh, Mo as well. And, of course, you can always follow us at Flag Plus uh, to check out any of the stories, any of the posts from the field. And, of course, feel free to tag us in your posts so we can share them on our feed as well. And uh, that one-handed catch that you find is sick that your girlfriend doesn't care about, well, someone will. Yeah, we're your real girlfriends right here. Um, I, uh, I'm also found easily on Facebook, 
Um, if you want to chat about your game, just tell me what happened. It's easier for us to cover. Uh, we can't be at every field all the time. So it's easier for us to cover if you talk to us. And, and we're happy to hear your input. Um, so if you have any anything you want to talk about at all, feel free to hit us up uh, on any of the social media platforms. On Twitter, I am at PeaceHSS, standing for, of course, Hot Sauce Sports. MoCon is, once again, MoCon19. Uh, so do, do reach out to us. Uh, Eagle, any other league news that I'm forgetting because I'm going to forget? So a couple things specifically when it comes to rosters. Um, I want to just remind everyone to submit your roster before your games. So to do this, it'll be under the resources tab on the website, and there's an option here for roster submit. Really simple. You fill in a form. It's going to ask you a few questions about what date was your game on, so you just enter that in essentially to the values. Once you do that, you can hit next. I think i got to pick a date in the future, so let's say 25. Uh, there we go, and it even checks for games. Let's say it's the 26th instead. This is why we have a script usually. Yeah. And then you pick your team name in. Uh, let's say it was Hot Sauce Sports. You select a division that you're in. So we're going to say your 4B might have been A. I don't even know where your field is. So check your schedule. Fill this in. And then it's just a freeform text. Make sure you have the player number. So I'll do something like uh, number 12, P's Della Rees. And you do this for all your players, including players that are new for your roster, for anyone who's injured. So this tag them as INJ, etc. And then once you're done, you just submit this and it goes off to the appropriate person. So just want to remind everyone, do this before your games. It really helps in terms of making sure the uh, roster you submit is accurate. It's the right players. The numbers are in. Saves a lot of time for the game to get going so the scorekeeper doesn't need to chase you around. And make sure that your stats are more accurate. So absolutely, uh, please go ahead and do this to help us out. Uh, any um, questions on that piece? Because I know you actually struggle with this as a person who doesn't submit. <laughs> I've always submitted. I've never not submitted. Uh, but it is um, – it's not as user-friendly as I'd like it to be. So hopefully we'll improve it. It has improved from season to season. So hopefully uh, soon, as soon as we put the team name in, it'll know what fields we're at and so on. The other thing I want to talk about is the roster verification. So this first week, we've had a few cases of teams forgetting about our cap system. So for anyone who's played Madden before, this might make sense to you. Uh, but essentially, uh, FPF has a cap system where each division has a maximum player value of your roster based on your top six players on offense and your top six players on defense as by their rating that they have. So... If, for example, we're in Division 4, you need to be under 445 for Division 4A. And on top of that, your quarterback has to be under 78. So as you start typing players into this, you're going to see them hopefully come up. If I can type properly. Uh, oh, yeah, because you're actually your actual real name here is this. That's funny. Yeah. And so you select the correct values here. Here, for example, is Paolo. If we were to do myself, uh, there we go. And we can start adding them in as we go through the, the list. You can start filling in all the details in terms of what the values actually are. I'm just going to do a few players here, and please, you can fill in for me. But essentially, it's going to start filling yeah. in details in terms of the different values of each person as you type it. So there's a couple of things. One is make sure your team is cap compliant. Make sure your quarterbacks are cap compliant. Also, I don't care if a player doesn't play defense. His defensive rating counts. I don't care if a player doesn't play offense. His offensive rating counts. So... Um, it is important, of course, that your team is cap compliant. Otherwise, you will forfeit, and we will make fun of you. Uh, also, if you don't show up to your games, you will forfeit, and we will make fun of you for the entirety of the season because 
literally get your grandmother to play. I don't care. Show up and honor the other team that has showed up to play. Um, there's also a financial penalty, of course, if you forfeit, uh, as well as earning a uh, 60 to nothing uh, forfeit if you don't show up and a 30 to nothing forfeit if you are not cap compliant. But let's get into games. Uh, we'll start with Division 6, uh, Eagle. Um, I want to start with a team that obviously listens to the podcast. Um, I believe as they were FSU. They are now FKU for uh, False Kings University. Uh, they took on Lionhearts, uh, a team we know pretty well, Eagle. Uh, they've been around the division to, for a while. Um, it was a 31-12 win for FKU. Manny Bezogias, uh, he's earned sort of our attention in the low divisions. He put up a couple of touchdowns. On the other side, uh, Anthony Yannenkrantz uh, took the helm at the, uh, as quarterback for Lionhearts. You never really know who's going to be quarterbacking the Lionhearts. Uh, familiar names, of course, being guys like Carmelo Di Giovanni and Joe Morghese. Um, they were they scored in this game as well. It's kind of what we come to expect from Lionhearts, especially early in the season. It takes them a, a second to sort of get their roster in order. It takes them a second to play their best football. They're the kind of team where even if they're not going to qualify for playoffs, and they may or may not, we don't know yet, uh, but if they, even if they don't, they're going to be a tough out as season comes around because they get better as the season goes on. They sort of um, get a feel for each other. And uh, I'm curious to see if they can turn that into early season success or if they're going to have to play spoilers again because the beginning of the season looks a lot like it did in week one. So I'm really concerned for Lionhearts based on this performance, right? Because they've kind of been in that tier three, division six, division E frame for a while. They've obviously learned a lot and grown as a team, but the fact that they haven't addressed their quarterback position is one problem. The other one is there's only, what, 14 plays that they ran on offense in this game, right? 13 attempts plus one run. That's not a lot of possessions. So that's really scary for me in terms of not having the ball enough to have control over it. And then that also explains why they got lit up on defense too, right? Because the ball's not in their hands most of the game and they're being driven on and, you know, they're having points put on the scoreboard against them. So I, I'm concerned for this roster. They're good players. They just, they've had time to gel over all the seasons and it seems to not bear fruit at this point. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is, it is, Curious. And again, not solving your most important, uh, not solving the most important position uh, being an issue. It shows also that not only were they not able to stay on the field, uh, but also they weren't able to really stop FKU in a way that um, was meaningful, right? So they they allowed FKU to completely control the game. And that that's what we saw here. Before we get to uh, a game you want to talk about, Eagle, I want to bring up this concept because... We've seen this before. There are talented teams who uh, are new to the league and we don't know much about them. And before we know it, they're taking over the lowest divisions. And there are teams that have been around a while and they've struggled. And we look at those teams and that you mentioned Lionhearts. Uh, Brewers are another one of these teams that uh, have had a hard time uh, getting it together um, despite their despite their experience. Um and I'm looking at those teams specifically as, as they start the season. 
Um, are there any of the returning teams that you can see that you think will have will will buck the trend and sort of show success and 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 um, sort of not let these newcomers take the throne in Division Six? So I think one team that catches my eye right away is going to be seventh rounders. Um, just we're going to go take a oh, that's the wrong scene. Uh, take a look at their roster here. So they've kind of been around for a couple seasons now, uh, but. Then again, they haven't really had m very high success. Now, this time around, they had a win over Betway Bandits 24-6. to uh, I would imagine this is going to be a reasonably good season for them because of, again, all the same years that they've had where it's been like that middle of the pack, slightly upper tier, but really can't claim a number one to four spot in a playoff race. But I think maybe this could be the year, potentially, in terms of the, the roster being decent. They're still low cap hit, which is good. So maybe this is the run that works for them? Yeah, that's that's a solid one. I was looking also at the Spanish Inquisition, um, the Buck brothers' return. Uh, of course, Jared Buck can't throw in this division, so Chad Buck uh, took, the, took the lead in week one. They tried Michael Timmons at quarterback in the fall with mixed results. Uh, he didn't play this week, so he might be the quarterback. Uh, so hopefully he learned a lot because I, I like the core of Benjamin Bork, uh, Chad and Jared Buck, Etienne de, de Brois is, is, is talented as well. So um, I'm curious to see what the week two roster looks like uh, because they, they clearly uh, – they didn't have Michael Timmons, who even if he's not playing quarterback, is a valuable two-way player to have. Um, so I'm curious to see if he'll take over – as Chad Buck throws three interceptions in his first start. But I think, um, despite losing the Chevalier de Rohan, I think that's going to be a team to look out for uh, because they're, they're a group that um, not only has the experience but has a lot of talent uh, right off the bat. You know what I mean? I feel like you've completely missed the reference of now people are going to expect the Spanish Inquisition. You've ruined the punchline piece. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Um, that's my bad. That's my bad for not uh, remembering a what is now a fifty-year-old joke at this point. Tell me about that. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but uh, beer, beer nights, of course, being uh, another team. I think they they took a thirty-two-twelve win in the first week. Um, of course, we we've been familiar with them, and now Frankie Scalzo had a great fall season. You know, he he qualifies to throw in Div Six, but. He's probably the top end of the Division Six quarterbacks, I, I would say. W would you agree? Yep, I would agree with that too. Um, granted, there's going to be a bunch of brand new teams this year, so we may be getting a quarterback out of the blue who's going to be dominant. Who knows? Division Six is always a crapshoot when it comes to that, right? Like maybe yeah. the guy coming off the street is a CFL quarterback that we've never heard of, or something in like university also, or if that's, college. If that's the case, don't register for. Uh, Division Six. <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, that just means CFL has really bad marketing. If we haven't heard from him, <laughs> seriously, seriously. Uh, but yeah, so so I'm I'm curious to see how that all goes. Um, we have have a free agent squad, but I don't know. I don't think it's the same free agent squad as we saw in fall because they took a loss, and I was surprised to see them. Yeah, from, just from the players I'm clicking on now, it doesn't seem to be the same free agent squad. So that we this saw in, is in the. Fall squad of players who registered for free agency which makes a team so that the same thing yeah. that happened in fall but obviously the people who registered as free agents in fall are no longer free agents in winter or maybe they are but you get the point they have a team they could go with so 
I would say this is more likely an expectation for a week one free agent squad. Like last year was kind of the exception in that they had a quarterback and they had receivers that worked and they gelled and the whole stuff and they did really good for their first introductory season. But this is much more like growing pains, learning the game, having to, you know, a couple of people have already played before because they have existing ratings. So it's getting that team together and just trying to build that chemistry and core uh, for that first week. So it'll come together. Just week one is always a little bit rough in that sense. Yeah, for sure. And, and, um, We'll talk. We'll talk about what new teams can do because we do have that um, in our mailbag later. Uh, look at me, Eagle. I'm already dropping teases in week one. For, uh, for, for a show go... that's planning as we go, it's pretty pretty good. So I'm gonna go ahead and do a, a history card here, and we're gonna go check out another game from this week uh, played by the Demons versus the Penetrators, where Demons won Great. 25 to 14. This game is interesting to me because in our fall 21 season. These teams were both brand new to the league and also played in week one to the final score of Penetrators winning 23 to nothing. And this time around, looks like the Demons have gotten their act together and taken a, a win under the belt against, I guess, a similar team in some way, which to me is an interesting storyline of they're clearly improved and now they understand the game better and now they can actually play. So this is also kind of an interesting way of looking at what the Penetrators did too, where maybe they're not as polished as a few months ago? Well, Demons are... They're a team that got a lot better throughout the season. We talked about them a lot uh, in fall because they kind of just... Especially in the second... Uh, in the second half of the season where they got reseeded, they they looked, a lot be- they looked a lot better. That said, it was a lot of reliance on their defense. Uh, they had got their hands on the ball a lot. Um... And it's just tough to read the score sheet because it appears as though they only scored two touchdowns but put up 25 points. Uh, yeah, they have running touch. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Question mark? It might be a stat oh, issue. Oh, it started, no, it started 12 nothing for Demons. Uh, so, for the game. Hmm, maybe not so successful then? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, they would they, interestingly, they would have lost the game if not for those yeah. 12 points. They would have lost fourteen to thirteen, but still, um, a lot of um, a lot of positive buzz at the end of last season. So, whether or not it paid off here, uh, it's still still trending in the right direction. So, I'm hoping uh, that can, can they can continue to do so. Also, admittedly, uh, you play a game very differently if you're already up twelve nothing before the game starts. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm I, I play quarterback. For those who don't know, the some of the worst games I've played are games where I get spotted a lead because you don't have the same killer instinct. And like, you know, some of the best games I've played are games where I've had, I've, I've had five guys. Right. So um, it's, um, it's, it's really interesting how that, that can impact the game. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully we'll see more from demons. Uh, but Adam Antel struggled uh, despite, like I said, a team that w- that's been on the rise uh, recently. Um, so do we want to move on to div one and two? Yeah, let's go ahead and check that out. Uh, there's an interesting storyline in Division One in that we mm-hmm. have a team that's been added to the division post-registration. This very rarely happens, but this is an exceptional case because we had a few teams drop out in other divisions and we had a team looking to play in Division One. So we've adjusted the schedules a little bit to accommodate them. So uh, Gryffindor is 
added to the schedule. They're playing not this week, week one, obviously, but they will have games coming up. So that will sh reshape the entire Division One landscape at this point. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about Gryffindor when we get to the mailbag because we have a specific question about that as well. Um, on a personal note, I'm happy to see Flag on the sack back. They're, they're probably my favorite FPF franchise. They have yet to hold, um, you know, spring or winter hardware, if I'm not mistaken. I don't believe they've won a championship yet. Um, they, they lost the All-Stars week one. Um, their kryptonite since they've arrived in FPF has been Kevin Wyeth. And that, that's no exception here. Uh, Kevin Wyeth playing basically a perfect game as All-Stars beat Flag was like 38 to 29. Um, the connection of Alex Nadopuiz to Samuel Nadopuiz paid off, but of course, not enough. Kevin Kaya added to the roster, which is a huge addition, both um, in name value, but also the dude is tall. So <laughs> that's a nice benefit to them on a, on a team that's already got some size. Um, Kevin Wyeth, of course, brings back a lot of familiar pieces. Uh, Matt Kerouac, Pat Jerome, uh, Chris Miyar has been playing with them in recent seasons. Quade Johnson, of course, on the roster as well as with Pat, uh, Pat uh, Paul Appear, sorry. Um, so good mixture of size and speed as well, as well as whatever Matt Kerouac brings, which I would imagine is uh, what's the opposite of handsomeness. Just regular lookingness. Regularness is probably the word. Regularness. Yeah. He brings regularness to the roster, which is nice to have. Because if you're too handsome, you can't win a title. It's it's uh it's that's why Eagle hasn't won any hardware in FPF. Just right. too handsome. It's a scientific fact. So um, there is that. I'm I. Uh, there's just something about that team that makes me happy. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in that eagle. So I was like, just fun guys. You know what I mean? They're just dudes who have a good time when they're out there. And it, at the highest competition in FPF, that's always fun to see. Uh, do we think they're going to have success in this season with all the teams coming back? I mean, I, it's always that weird question because we expect there to be dominant teams every year in Division One, But, I mean considering the five that are there now is there a clear standout amongst them braves, braves question mark braves um all-stars are really good i can see them dropping a future game to flag my sack down the line though whether it be uh I, are there repeated games probably not with all the crossovers right uh good question let's check out the schedule here just to see i think there are week one Week one, and we're building the ship in the air, boys. So we, we go. <laughs> we're going to be asking questions as we go. Uh, definitely, um, there's some repeats. I can see some. Yeah, they played actually yeah. the last game. I, th that, to me, without even having seen the first game in person, that feels like a trap game to start with, right? If Flag sack with all the energy, they might need a win to get into playoffs. Uh, All-Stars will likely have it locked up. Um, and look, you know, without having played in who knows how long, Flagmasak did put up 29 points against All-Stars, right? And it looks like just he's, uh, every team is going to play each other twice, and then there's two crossover games to Div 2. That seems to be the updates for the schedule here. Now, that may not be consistent everywhere, but that seems to be what I'm seeing. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So I'm saying, though, it's impressive because you ignored my question. Or not question, but statement. I think it's impressive Flagmasak put up 29 points week one against All-Stars with all the time they've had off. And they faced them last week of the season. I see that as a trap game. What are your thoughts? Since you didn't get my uh, – you didn't seem to notice that I was trying to hint, Eagle, this is your I, time to speak on the topic. I did not at all. Um, I think the question I to, to me is – 
it, it, the question to me is going to be Alexander Pugh's quarterback rating is one of the higher ones in the league because of the fact that he hasn't played in so long and hasn't, quote, suffered the drop of being a high-tier quarterback that flexes between that, like, 92 to 98 range, essentially. And I'm curious to see, as the season goes on, if his system is still going to work or if the game has shifted away from that style and maybe to something else. Because we know the plays that work all the time, but they still get adapted depending on how people play defenses or who you're playing against. So his classic targets of Anthony Valderam wasn't there this week. Does that change the way he play calls his playbook? Felix Prevost wasn't there. Uh, some somewhat new people on the roster, I guess you could say. So the, does he get more chemistry with them? In which case, do they have to, you know, the defenses have to focus on shutting them down? Can, well, first off, against Braves, are they going to turn it into a, uh, a shootout potentially? So I don't really know. I actually can't really answer your question. I would imagine they'll be okay, but who knows? So your answer is, you know what? Maybe. 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 <laughs> they take on Outlaws uh, next week. Uh, so they get their first crossover game uh, fairly early, although that that is not a walk in the park uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, future games as well at some point. But for now, I, I did want to take a look um, at KGP. This is a team we tend to rag on early in the season. We kind of don't see how they're going to be successful. Yet they're the holders of, is it back-to-back-to-back titles? Something like that, yeah. But they, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, they've three-peated. Three-peaten? They've three-peaten. Yes, that is a word. That in is a word, case. in this case. Um, and Phil Cutler had two incompletions this game. Uh, we see the return of Greg Stern uh, and the Incredibles. Uh, that They're going to be a fun team. I don't know if they're a little out of their depth playing in Div 2 and then having those two crossover games. You know, I'm I'm kind of with you. Now, th also, this roster looks very light, right, for the Incredibles. It feels like they don't have enough guys ready to play in uh, this Division 2 area. But then again, if you actually take a look at the full roster they have, they were missing Nikki Papage and Demario Cooper on this squad. That makes them yeah. a little bit better. Does that make them super competitive? Maybe? A little bit well, more? Papage, Papage gives them a dimension um, in like just how indefensible he is in the air. Um, but, you know, it would have helped against KGP, for example, who are a team who are a smaller group of guys, right? Uh, that said, KGP go out, go out and add Mathieu Lapage, you know, Cooper is really good and, and Papage is really good. Are they the same level of impact as Matthew Lepage? No. <laughs> the short answer of that one, I mean, uh, Lepage is pretty unstoppable on this roster and everything. I mean, in this well, game, actually, Julie Piemont actually stole the show with four touchdowns, uh, uh, three touchdowns on four completions. So, but Lepage, I mean, he'll carry his weight in this game. I kind of, I kind of like you know, Julian Piemont for years was like low key the best rusher in FPF, and now he's is on his the way. Best snapper in FPF too. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is he's he's not like he's probably going to be the third rusher inducted into the Hall of Fame. Easily. Um, and then just decided, oh, by the way, I'm also going to be this dominant offensive weapon because I'm awesome. Just out of nowhere, and he's the most unassuming character on the field. 
it's it's really it's really cool to see. Like the guy was rushing in Div Four, it seems like a handful of seasons ago. Are you a little bit surprised to see Dylan Garber be as good of a receiver than he is quarterback? Um, Dylan's really quick, and he's he's not going to excel at this level if he's your number one guy. But he's definitely a guy who can win against your third or fourth defender unless your team is absolutely stacked. You know what I mean? Mm. Whereas, like, so they have they have Paymont, they have Lapage, Garfinkel's speed is ridiculous. So they have a guy who can work in the open open areas. And then they have Dylan Garber, who's kind of the speedy possession receiver, um, who just understands concepts, understands spacing. Um, and, he, you know, if you're playing zone, he understands where to be in the concept. And if you're playing man, he's quick enough to beat some of your third and fourth best receivers um, just out of his break. So that combined with having a guy who doesn't get the credit he deserves, but Phil Cutler, who is one of the better passers in the league at this point, is undeniable at this point. Um, you got, you got to, you got to give him the credit for developing into this talent. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to say they, they are back to back to back champions, by the way, because they do have two championships and the unupdated FBF bowl cup. Uh, should be in uh, there yes, as well. That's very true. Last question I have for you on this. Uh, Vince Nardone, defensive captain, I would imagine, on this squad. Yeah, has to There's be. only two pass attempts that were incomplete, and I don't know if they were defended or not because there's no PDs on this. How do well, you fix a defense? If it just your personnel couldn't keep up, and that's, oh, you write this one off, or? It's the personnel in this game. Like, so the the – where I think the pieces on offense uh, that matter most were there, James Ohio and you know, Vince Nardone, Chris Miard, Terry Tam, of course, being a really good snapper. Um, th- those pieces are all enough to win um, in Division two. It's less so the case on defense when you're missing uh, when you're missing Demario Cooper and um, and and uh, Papage because that's that's gonna make a difference. Uh, when they have all their pieces there, it's, it's a small roster, right? So if you're missing two players, you all of a sudden are now playing in the division four game with Terry Tam on defense. You know, Terry's fine. He's not, not a shutdown guy. Greg Stern having to play defense as well in this game. Um, I think they were better served having those other two pieces. Yeah. I, I would agree with you on that. Just wanted to see what you thought. Um, I do have another question yeah. for you in general, Pease. For Division Two, we have crossover games. What teams do you think stand a chance? I mean, granted, we don't have to look at the exact schedule of who they're playing, but who yeah. would you potentially bet on if you're looking at, you know, let's say they bump themselves into Division One because they can. KGP is probably on the list. There's also so Zik, potentially. For, firstly, let's start with the fact that, um, you know, the easy way to answer this, how to be planned this, is who's playing Gryffindor because they're a huge question mark coming in, right? Um, actually, the, the obvious, the quote-unquote obvious ones, KGP, hashtag NR, and Urshan Smedzik. Urshan Smedzik proved to me in fall they deserve to be in Division One. I. I don't know how they still fit here. Um, all hooks are, I don't think, seasoned enough to be at that level. Um, and then a couple of the ones that like are not as obvious – the apocalypse, because of the fact that um, 
they have one of the smarter quarterbacks in, in Jeff Rosenblatt, and they surrounded him with pieces that really fit his style. Um, I know he can score with the other team, so it comes down to whether or not they can get a stop or end with the ball. And Terror Squad. Uh, Terror Squad's been overlooked. They have a bit of an inconsistent roster over time, but uh, they have both pylons. The Tam Villa death returns. Um, I th- he's, is he back officially from injury, or he will return during the season? I think he's going to be back soon i don't know if he's officially allowed to play yet did he get a gp this game maybe but if it might be like just for attending then eh? he, he well they didn't play this week oh yeah, play yeah, week yeah, yeah that's right yeah, yeah. um but, but a couple of sure. names so like they have they have like the two pilons and Tamville that those are the, the familiar names right uh as well as joe duclair jasmine ryu these guys we know but from lower divisions they bring up uh nick nicholas grappini who we know can play Vincent Malo, who can play. And, of course, we, we all know T- Tommy Roldi Trojados, who uh, is an absolute monster. This is probably the best Terror Squad roster I've seen in a while. Oh, yeah. yeah like, yeah, it's really complete. Like, they use the cap. We, we used to put them in Division One, and we would say, like, oh, yeah, they're a, a lower-tier team and everything. But this yeah. is a very good roster that's basically the same one they used to have, just with the Pilons, essentially. With the Pilons, and they... They use the cap in a way that I find very intelligent. They, they, they didn't stick to the same pool of players. They took a quote-unquote chance, let's say, on, on, on Nick Grappini. But you and I know he can play at this level. Um, they took a they, – they, 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 um, they added they the right pieces, in my opinion. I think provided that uh, Tamville Death can throw or throw soon – they're one of the teams uh, that I look to as as guys who can uh, overthrow a Division One team. Uh, Party Crashers. I know we haven't talked about them, but they're the only other team with a win this past week, led by Fred Zupui. The roster looks pretty stacked, honestly. Do you think they're going to be good, or is this first week just a fluke because they had a matchup against uh, Team Swish? It's... A good roster. I wouldn't say stacked. I think it's a a fair roster for Division Two. They're probably like we just talked about Incredibles and sort of poked holes a little bit. Uh, I'd say they're probably on par, if not a little worse, even than the top end of of Incredibles. Uh, Fred P. It always comes down to uh, people use this term disparagingly, and I don't mean it that way, but rather the um, his game management, his in-game management, how he'll react to being down, how he manages having a lead. I think uh, these things are going to be important, um, you know. And other than that, it's it's how this all comes together. Guillaume Ward, Philanger, missing week one games. So who's on this roster for real and, and who are guys who are just filling in? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. So I think there's there's a lot of questions. That's why I didn't list them because I just I think there's too many question marks. Uh, but the fact that they won week one shows a couple things. It shows, for example, that they can win even if their expected players aren't there in the first week. Um, and it shows that uh, Frederick Dupree, despite again taking some time off from FPF, came back and is playing uh, some of his best football. So if he can manage those situations. Situations the way he did in week one. Uh, Party Crashers might be a team that uh, surprised me, but I actually think that the uh, they'll struggle to to even be middle of the pack in the division because Div Div Two looks really strong to me this season. 
It really does. I mean, I know like the crossover games are going to change the schedule a little bit because everyone it should be expected to lose. But if someone gets a win, they would jump up the standings in theory, right? Like think about it. If, if yeah. an eight and two is considered perfect, almost in a way, nine and one would be excellent. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'd like to see uh, how how Outlaws actually fare in their crossover games. Like they take on Flag Flagma Sack, and I think. Flagma Sacks can be very uh, interested to see how Outlaws perform because they're not a team they're familiar with, right? So that 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 lack of familiarity, I think, is going to throw them off a little bit. And Outlaws, to me, have a stacked roster um, in terms of athleticism and guys who can play at this level. Like Vincent Benjamin, to me, is finally playing in a division uh, that's worthy of his caliber. We've seen Zach Swern play Division Two before. We've seen Isaiah Lard play Division Two before. Justin Lerner is uh, a freak athlete. Uh, guys like James Langshaw and Ariel Liberati are great lower division poles. Marvin Steinberg, it's just top to bottom athletic, right? So how does how does sort of a, a team that relies on just football knowledge and and Different, different type of athleticism in, 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 you know, in terms of muscularity and strength. How, how will they compete with the flat-out speed and ball-winning ability of outlaws? So, so Pete, we'll I see. We'll a, see how that looks. I have a awkward question for you. Okay. This is the last year your age is going to have the number three in it. I'm trying to hide it, man. I got a haircut today and everything. So when are you going to register for the best new old division that we have, Division 35+. plus? Um, so actually a question I should have asked you before this, before the uh, podcast started. But because uh, we're, like I said, we're building the ship in building the air. As we go. Yeah. yeah um, is there an East and 35+, plus, or are all the games still in Bay Durfee? I think they're all in Bay Durfee. I think that plan, not that it fell through, but I don't think there was enough teams with the whole pandemic stuff to, to get that squad going. Um, yeah, all the games are in Bay Durfee. Yeah. They might as well be on Mars for me. So um, I'm going to have to be covering 35+, plus by correspondence, so I urge guys to reach out to me. Uh, and we'll, we'll, of course, break down what we see based on game recaps and what we get from, from scorekeepers and so on. But definitely talk to us because it makes it easier, easier for us to cover your division. Um, I'll try and get Mo not to speak disparagingly about, about the division because, honestly, I find the, the pace of play in 35-plus to be pretty impressive, um, especially when you consider that a lot of the best quarterbacks in FPF traditionally were a little bit older anyway. It's only recently we've seen some of the younger guys, uh, younger guys farewell. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll have to be when there's an East End 35 plus. I think at that point, Eagle, you'll be eligible to be playing with me in 35 plus as well. Most definitely, yeah. So, how old are you now, anyway? Since you put me on blast, uh, not when the point where my age will not have a three in it. <laughs> Dick. Um, yeah, sorry, family show. It's not hot sauce works. My mistake. Um, we just talked about outlaws with old age outlaws, uh, with Stephen Harper Saad take a loss to monster, uh, Craig O'Brien, one of the sort of, uh, grandfather quarterbacks in FPF that I was talking about. I was going to say godfather quarterback, but grandfather works too. Grandfather works. Uh, he, he's like OG FPF. Um, not only one of the nicest dudes in FPF, one of the smartest quarterbacks. This has to have, this game had to have some of the smartest play calling in 
the in the division period, right? Between Stephen Harper, Saad, and Craig Craig O'Brien, kind of new world and old world FPF uh, colliding. Uh, so that's that's uh, super cool to see. Uh, but Craig O'Brien just being able to get it done. Uh, but it, a very competitive game, 26-25. We see Josh Levine uh, return to FPF, uh, as well as Kevin Kasai. Those guys, of course, from MFL. Uh, you know, we always say it's not really competition between us and MFL. It's it's an open community. We're happy to see our teams and our players play there. We're happy to see them play with us. Uh, as long as people are playing flag football, it's good for all leagues. So I'm happy for... Uh, I'm happy to see them back, and I'm happy to see their league thriving as well. Uh, Anthony Sija is a nice addition for old age outlaws as well, but um, just a little too much on the other end. And I think it really came down to uh, the 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 wisdom that comes with the age of uh, of Craig O'Brien as he comes uh, leads a second half comeback uh, to win the game. And of course, it's important to note that he didn't start the game at quarterback. Uh, it was Peter Kin taking Andy Peter Kin taking st- snaps to start, um, and, and that game drew my attention. What, what drew your attention to the uh, to the game? To, well, this to, game uh, specifically, I think what's interesting is if we scroll down to the defensive section, we see eight different players with defensive stats. So that means almost everyone is getting reps on defense. A uh, couple things that stand out to me: Carl Denis, two sacks constant monster when it comes to putting pressure on quarterbacks, so doing his job Mm -hmm. like usual. But then maybe the more interesting question is, were they potentially down early on in the first half, essentially, and then in the second half they made the defensive adjustments and changed their rotation? So instead of being like, you know, one person on, one person off, they're like, okay, we're going to put our best six on the field now and try and shut them out for the the second half, and that's how the comeback was driven. So to me, that's the interesting one, right, with Tossi and Cooper getting interceptions. Were they brought in specifically for that, and they were on the bench kind of like taking it easy? Are they going to be the ones kind of leading it? Uh, Paul LaPierre, only three tackles, which is lower than you would expect for him in a game like this? I, I don't think it's low considering uh, the way Stephen Harper saw likes to ta- attack the intermediate area. So, like, Paul LaPierre is most likely playing in the flat, so he's going to be attacking the area behind him. Uh, so, Paul LaPierre is just picking up whenever uh, Harper saw has to check down, right? So that, that's kind of how I see it. Monster also started with the ball in the second half. Um, so, you know, that's that's an advantage. Uh, but still, coming behind, coming from behind to beat a Stephen Harpersad-led team is no joke. That's uh, th- that's fun to see. Is, was there another game that you that caught your eye? Um, let me go take a look at them just to see here. My mouse is being a little bit slow. Um Maybe when we get into something like Spitfire versus Shenanigans, just the other team that that played in this one over here. Uh, I'm interested in this one specifically because we have a Tony Curry-led squad versus a Carmen Pelice-led squad. So the fireworks are definitely going to erupt in the trash yeah. talk for sure. Uh, definitely an interesting game. Donald Shepard back for this one. There's rumors. It's not confirmed yet but he might be coming back from Toronto to be in Montreal full-time, which means that he'll be back in the league and potentially a full-time addition to here and maybe going back to Division One, going back to All-Stars and the Kevin Wyeth connection, question mark. So that's interesting. Of course, you see him in this game. It's like, yeah, of course Don Shepard showed up, you know, just randomly shows up uh, without having played for years and scores two touchdowns. 
that's that's obviously what he's gonna do. My question, of course, is how long he'll last. Uh, Carmen Pelici and Spitfire, of course, have been um, stalwarts in 35 plus. Uh, Andrew Carruthers had a huge game. Andrew, Andrew Carruthers is um, one of these guys who's not a well-known sort of FPF superstar, but a guy who's been productive pretty much every time he's played. He just hasn't played as much as a lot of other guys. Uh, and on the other side, you have Shane Williams, right, which is the opposite, where everyone in FPF circles is familiar, of course, with Shane Williams. Um, and, and, you know, guys like James, Jason Prince to Tony Corey. I, would, I will say, I think, like Montreal Spitfire has sort of a well-rounded roster where as I think shenanigans seem to be, they just seem to be missing a dude. You know what I mean? There's just, there's a, a bit of dynamism, I believe missing from that roster. Uh, it's a small roster again, so they probably can add a piece. They definitely seem to be on the lighter side of the cap. So I think if Tony Corey and, and knowing how many people he does in the league, um, it would not surprise me to see him add, sort of one deep threat for JLE. And uh, I think that's going to, or even maybe just a guy who's quick and can operate in space, um, which of course is funny in 35 plus because those are rarer to find than it is to find in in the FPF, uh, the regular divisions. But if they can add that, of course, I I think that rounds out the roster a little bit. But the roster as constructed is a roster I would pick to to, to lose to Montreal Spitfire every time. And I have uh, another team, forget the, the game this week, but just want to check it out because it's going to be the most annoying team to reference every single time. The team is mm-hmm. called FPF. Yeah. I hate this team name, but they're a team. And I'm it's looking at the, the roster, least creativity. Ever. I'm looking at this roster, and I'm <coughs> trying to figure out if I like it or if I hate it because all the names are familiar. But very rarely do you see them mixed together. So I don't know what to make of this team. What do you think? Um, it does seem to be a bizarre combination of players, of you know, just in temperament, right? Between Brad Evans and Kevin Kusai, there, there's not more two opposite people. But I can see, I can weirdly see both of them wearing Hawaiian shirts. On the same yep. cruise. True, true. I can see it. Like, it doesn't even matter where the cruise is going. It could be an Alaskan cruise, but they'll be wearing Hawaiian shirts because they're on vacation. I can see it. Um, it's, I, you're entirely right. Uh, familiar names in that, you know, we've known Vince Mancini and, and Kareem uh, Yasmin forever. Um, Craig O'Brien, of course, quarterbacking the team. Um, and but they, like you literally they, have five different quarterbacks here, all of which are very good QBs. So it's like QB by commission type of thing. Like, okay, draw straws at the beginning of the game. What do you mean on FPF? Yeah. Oh, I, I would, but always the best of the group, right? Yeah, but maybe he doesn't want to play QB here. Maybe uh, Evan wants a few reps. Uh, maybe uh, Yoni Lair is like, you know what, guys, I'm feeling it today. Can I string it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um, but either way, on the other, I, I don't think they'll they'll uh, struggle as much as Eugene McLaren did in this game, throwing four interceptions. Um, it this is see to me, this is a, a game between weird rosters. Um, the other side, Brody Windsor, are teams that uh, is a team we recognize the names, but it's a lot of names we haven't seen for a while, right? Uh, yeah. Brian Martin, Brian is Martin a guy. and Joel Watson uh, being from uh, the yeah. core of oh shit, I remember us. Uh, um, Warhawks, 
Warhawks. You, you, they had they had the worst. I remember if you remember the Seagull. The War or the Warhawks once in Division Five had the worst schedule ever. They I think their average like the teams they were playing against were like seventy five percent win percentage or something. Like the last like four weeks they played like teams that either went ten and 0, 9 and one or eight and two. Um, yeah, I, I do so remember that. Yeah, that's the last time I remember the Warhawks, but and, and that's probably the last time I remember seeing him. Uh, see, seeing uh, Brian Martin and uh, Jeff Trudeau makes an appearance on this team as well. I was going to so say that, Jeff Trudeau, cool. formerly of Prestige Worldwide, and has danced around yeah. in so many teams and everything. I yeah, think he played for Thunder as well. I, I just went to go check his player profile. He's on every single team ever created in FPF. Like, mm. just yeah. come look, look at the list of the teams and just the blast from the past. Quite literally, as you go through this list here, in terms of all the different names, you're like, "Oh, I remember that team." He even played for Lockdown. I don't even remember that. I I actually remembered that. I I actually remembered that. that's actually I think I met him when he was playing with you. Oh, uh, and and funny enough, he played for Blast of the Pla- uh, Blast from the Past, which was quarterbacked by Craig O'Brien. So a lot of familiar faces on this roster uh, in this game, um, and that familiarity, of course, did turn out to be a win uh, in the favor of FPF by a score of 47-34. And that's all we're looking for is wins for FPF. That takes us to the end of our first hour. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get into some of the other divisions as well as the FPF mailbag. So if you do watch the show on its whole, uh, on its whole is a weird sentence, but I'm really tired. So if you watch on the whole, please join us for uh, our second hour of FPF coverage on calling the audible hour two and my signature line we're back <laughs> yes very artistic very artistic uh thank you for those who joined us for the first hour this is the second hour of calling the audible the fpf podcast i am your host for today peace Delarise. joining me is the eagle at master control mo Khan is at a sex party um and cannot attend because our show requires clothing it's the only thing we require, actually. I, I, I don't even know what to say to that. And arguably, if we don't, because <laughs> it's only our upper torsos. So, I mean, please, are you wearing yeah. pants right now? Don't let them out. So, it's hour two. I am wearing pants. Okay. Hour three. For hour three. No chance. No chance I'm wearing pants for hour three. Uh, and they're jeans, too. Like, they're not even, like, sweatpants. I'm wearing, like, pants with a button. So, you know, it's you know it's serious. You know it's serious when it's a button. Um, so, just quickly, before we get into it, if, for those just watching Division... Uh, sorry, if you're just watching For Your Division in Hour 2, where we will discuss uh, Division 5, Division Co-Ed, Co-Eds, as well as... Um, as well as finally getting to the mailbag that we... But th- isn't it four and three? No, we're gonna do What's three. The last we're gonna do three. Four is gonna go at the end because four is bigger. But four and what? Oh, four and women's. Four women's and then our mailbag, yeah. So mailbag is last last thing of the show. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay. So stay but tuned before, for the mailbag. <laughs> I wasn't listening. We're building this as we go along. We have no script this week. It's free for. Yeah. Thank you, Mokan. It's free for all. Um. Yeah, and, and well, again, we're paying back Mo by I'm missing half the show next week and you're missing the entire show. Yep. So um, we'll, we'll get Mo back. We'll get Mo back that way. Um, so 
for those who don't know and are new, despite not being in the introduction division, if you're in co-ed one or two, or if you're in um, division five or division three, uh, please note that the player profile pictures are going to be done this week. So take this much effort for those listening. I put my fingers very close together um, to look a little decent because if you don't, we don't care. So you'll just look terrible on the website and that picture will probably last forever. And uh, you'll end up having to look like Simon Dashney's profile picture for the rest of the time. True. So nobody wants that. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into uh, Division 5 to start. Unless there's any other announcements you want to make, Eagle? No, for anything else, refer back to our previous chapter where we go through all the league news and updates. We have information for about how to submit your roster, how to verify your roster, uh, and make sure you have p- uh, numbers for all your players and everything. But that's pretty much the main <laughs> stuff when it comes to that. I'm not going to do it in detail. I forgot something already. Go on. Um, Division 1 and 2, which we did in the last hour, is going to be covered uh, in article format by Brent Botkin, as he has done for the past couple of seasons and continues to do a great job. Um, We did what other division in the first hour? Division 6? Oh, I'm writing Division 6. And 35 plus. 35 plus Carmen Poliche is writing that uh, that article. Um, Carmen, of course, knows the division in great detail. I love that the games are not at the same time as the show like they were uh, last winter season that, that we played. That was fun, though, because we would just call random players on their phone and be like, give us a score <laughs> update, and then we'd hang up. Yeah, like, hey, so what's happening in your game? And that was the extent of our coverage. Um, so it's cool to actually be able to cover the division properly. I'm sure the players appreciate that better than us just basically making a mockery of it. But that's how, for those who don't know, that's how we affect change in, in, in FPF. Is, um, Eagle and I are agents of chaos. And Mokan loves coming along for those rides. And what we do is we make very uncomfortable situations so Rob is forced to make changes. So um, you're welcome. You owe it to us. Um, but now we're getting into um, Division 5. Uh, Division 5 uh, has uh, two writers. Um, I'm going to get this in front of me, Eagle, because yep. I don't want to make any mistakes. And, and to be uh, clear, when... they are different writers for different reasons, right? So Division 5 is actually split into two subdivisions of 5A and 5B. But, but... it is a single writer for for both fives. Exactly, right. So regardless of which one you're in, the same people will be covering yeah. you. But we have a language we difference have Frank... between them. Absolutely. We have Frank Teoli Colatrella covering um, in English. Uh, in French, Manu Allard Roy um, joins us uh, for our French coverage. I'm happy to have French coverage again. Um, believe it or not, despite the fact I'm not, uh, I'm an Anglophone, I do speak French. I do like our French content. I think our French content is very important. I recognize we have a large Francophone community, so we're super happy to be servicing them. If you want me to spend more of Rob's money and have more divisions covered in French, please write to me because I love spending Rob's money. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, and also it helps us cover the league better. It's hard to give writers more than one division. I can tell you from personal experience, the articles take a lot of time. So Division 5, be happy that you got two people writing. I'm excited to see both Frankie's return and Manu's uh, first offering uh, in FPF. Although, oh no, that's the Div 4. I'll get to Div 4 later. Um, and we'll talk about the writers as we move on into uh, those divisions. But in the meantime, Eagle Wizard, Div- Division 5 game that caught your eye. 
Um, I haven't looked through most of the games just yet, but I have kind of skimmed through five A specifically here in terms of the uh, conferences, uh, East, West, North, South, and everything. Um, I'm interested in this division this time around because we have a lot of teams that were either in that kind of like division D spot from previous seasons. We have a few that have potentially moved up from uh, division six or E from the previous seasons that have come in here. And we have some veteran veteran teams that have kind of dropped down from division four division C as well. So I'm curious to see before we get into like specific games, which teams you think are going to be interesting to, to watch short list for me is Pinchellos, banditos ghosts and ravens just because those names are we're familiar with so what's interesting is a lot of the um quarterbacks who were successful in division five in the past uh, moved up, right? They were, they were moved up because their cap numbers went up. Uh, whether it's uh, you know guys like Chris Rive, um, other names are not coming to mind, but uh, or Ben McMahon, for example, is another one. As we see, uh, Vultures. Well, 2. Ben McMahon 0. is technically in Virtues 2.0, but he's not eligible to be QB. So throwing, that though. changes yeah. the roster entirely. Yeah. Same with Ghost, right? Like Gab Wiseman um, obviously can't uh, throw. Uh, neither can, can can Kevin Lubin. So we see Jamal Roach coming up from a successful campaign in Division E of uh, throwing four ghosts um, and, and having a great start. Like He he completed 92% of his passes in the first week, right? So um, it's cool to see this this new group of quarterbacks. Uh, and I'm curious to see how uh, they will they will progress throughout the seasons. Uh, Pinchellos is one of those teams moving up. They start with a tie. They uh, actually have an interesting situation on their roster as Jonathan Harrod, who's one of the fastest players in FPF uh, and all around good dude. I've played with him on two teams. Dude gets hurt a lot. Um, he's got to be like the Anthony Davis of a lower division FPF at this point. Like he, he always seems to be going down. There's a lot of you know leg issues. Um, perhaps related to his his speed, so uh, they perhaps do have some cap Look at that! It's uh, it's it looks like that in person too. Um, but yeah, no, you, you know, when you looked at this team to start, you said, okay, well, they add Jonathan Harrod to you know a, a receiving core that already had a physical receiver in Jordan Ferry, uh, a guy who can kind of do it all in Jocelyn Calix. Um, how how would they fare? And then. From the get-go, they lose a guy who's, you know, um, not a huge cap hit. So it's not entirely easy to replace them either. Uh, so I'm curious to see how what they'll do. So if anyone's looking for a team to play on, um, I can add some dimensionality to to this roster. Uh, this is a team to look at because uh, Vince Romano has improved as a play caller. He's improved as a quarterback. The team sort of after winning a spring championship, got their cage rattled a little bit in fall, which is important. That's how you get better, right? You, if you just play teams that are worse than you, you're not going to improve. So uh, I actually think that was good for them. Both things, like winning the championship against Ravens and then coming along um, to, to sort of having to struggle a little bit. I'm curious to see how uh, they'll recover from that. But uh, definitely will need another piece, I think, to be truly competitive. Otherwise, they're going to have the same kind of troubles that, that they had. Um, you mentioned Ravens, Eagle. We I just faced them in the fall championship, uh, and I was surprised to see Joel Hull still able to throw in Division 5. Uh, That's comical that's... if you see my arm 
and you see Joel's arm. He squeaks in right under the radar, oh, yeah. right? Because, yeah, it no, just no, it's, so it's, happens that way. Matsuhu is a genius at building um, lower division rosters. Um, and he, this wasn't anything like captain related. It, they just squeaked in under the wire and he just had to build a team around that. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a request or anything. The dude legitimately, uh, legitimately qualifies to be in this position. Um, they, uh, they got off to a decent start. They beat the mighty six, uh, 19 to 18, despite three dropped interceptions by Alexis Dubois. Um, he was lucky enough that two of them were counted as PDs. Let's put it that way. Rough, rough outing for our colleague. I, I know the feeling of those right in your chest and on the floor. It happens uh, more often, uh, Alexis, more often than we want. He's actually a really good receiver too. And he's the kind of guy who will never drop a ball on offense, but on defense, it's 50, 50 for whatever reason, just brains. That's what happens it to happens. your brain, I guess. It happens. Um, but yeah, it's, it's and, and the other quarterback I'm curious to see actually, Eagle, and we, we've talked about uh, this at length both on the show and you know in frustration off the show as well. Is uh, are you get what are is lockdown five A or five B? B B B B. Oh, okay, so we'll get to that later because I was going to say that you know this is going to be an interesting opportunity, but we'll talk about <laughs> that when we get to to five B. Well, um, you want to have some fun for five A? We can talk about Alex Aquila a little bit who is currently playing for nice. the REIT, um, which, by the way, this is always our fun part of the, the season. What do you think R-E-E-T stands for? And I actually haven't come up with a good acronym just yet, so. We're going to go to Urban Dictionary. I tried that, gonna... too. I did not find anything. That's why I'm confused. I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. Well, then, obviously, what the REIT stands for is uh, the rectangular... Edwards and extraterrestrials. Okay, I mean it works for me. I literally can't come up with anything else. I really don't know what this potentially is. All I know. So is you're saying is not a word in the Scrabble dictionary. It, it would you say it is it a Wordle? Uh, is it Wordle complement though? Can you can you enter no, it if it's Wordle's reads? five letters? You chode. But is it? But it could be reads. It could be plural. Maybe reads can be pluralized. It's not a real word. It can't be a Wordle word then. Well, we'll have to find out. We'll see. We'll see every morning whether or not uh, I'll, I'll keep playing Reets and see what it what it generates. I'll see if it's a if it if it turns out to not be a wasted turn um, from moving forward. So but I, I, thing- I brought up this team because they played against Balls Deep and won twenty six twenty four against. You would describe Balls Deep as a pretty solid squad in terms of the overall roster, right? Justin Weir as quarterback. Uh, Matthew Peacock, Ryan Dobbs Garnett, Tyler McPherson, Curly McCord, Jonathan Weir. Basically a roster from previous seasons that were pretty competitive. So to see the Reed come in, bring in the Spagna, Sparagna brothers, um, yeah. dominate in this game. Of course, my doppelganger, Alex Aquila, playing in this game as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts in terms of what to think in terms of these results. Um, Not surprising. I think Balls Deep is going to be a team that kind of scores at about this clip. Um, and that means they'll be susceptible from time to time to, to drop games. Um, you know, Justin Weir is talented. Uh, and, Matt, you know, having uh, a receiving core that features Matthew, Pe- Matthew Peacock and Ryan Dobbs Garnett. Um, Curly Mikor is a great two way player for this division, um, under, underutilized um, in FPF in general. But they're going to need. Uh, 
to generate more turnovers and they're going to need to solve the issue of quarterbacks being able to run on them because you're going to see that a lot in low divisions. Uh, Santino Spirania is a great athlete. He scored two touchdowns on the ground uh, to match two in the air. He almost um, has as many rushing yards as he does passing yards. That's what they're going to be, though. That's what the Reet is going to be. Uh, they're they're talented. They're, the names are not as familiar, uh, but they do have sort of like a tackle pedigree and now some flag experience. So they're they're not going to be an easy out any 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 um, week this season. And I think these are teams like this is what to expect if. If Balls Deep would have won this game 26-24, it's not surprising. They lost the game that with that score, it's not surprising either. I don't think either is completely dynamic on offense. Um, both will require athleticism um, and and uh, defense to help win the game. But, uh, but this time around, it was the Reet, those rectangular Edwardian extraterrestrials winning the game. And the other game I wanted to take a look at what came from 5E. It's very uh, meta, literally. Uh, Metaverse playing against uh, the Goofy Goobers in Week 1. Metaverse winning 25-24. What's interesting to me in this game is it's a a roster of Jonathan Perez, Noah Groper, uh, Jacob Bullman. Some common names, as you would say, in terms of... Yeah, Boyman, sorry. Uh, versus uh, Russell Schwartz, who, as much as he's been a quarterback for, like, tanking for Tua in a couple games, the SCLSU Mud Dogs back in winter as well, hasn't really had success as a quarterback. And this game actually being his first one in his career where uh, he goes over a 50% completion rate for the season, essentially, right, after one game. So I'm, I'm curious to see what you think of this roster. Obviously, Kevin Smuda being on Goofy Goobers as well, helping them. That's not the name. Size thing. That's not the name that even struck me. The the name that struck me, the stat line that struck me is Max Bira, one catch, one target, seven yards. What are you doing not throwing the ball to Max Bira? The I dude is... Maybe you're resting him for defense. Coach. I don't know. It's just... Uh, I guess he did get a PD in the game. Uh, to me, Max Bira is a guy you get involved constantly. He's... Uh, I'm curious to see if Kobe Bira is even... If the genetic... Uh, Code reached as far as Kobe because if if he's half the player Max Perez, he's going to be awesome. Uh, Russell, Mikey Schwartz, uh, having played together in the past before, uh, this is uh, the Goofy Goobers team that featured. I don't remember his name. He plays in Division Two now, or did play in Division Two. Blonde quarterback, long hair, good athlete. That could be a Look lot of him. people, though. I know. I know. It's not helpful. I'm concerned Terry Tam of Hot Sauce Sports fame is going to buy my house in the metaverse, and I don't know what to do about it. It's very possible, honestly. Because it's the, it's the thing he would do. Just just a jerk move. Uh, but at, uh, for metaverse uh, themselves, uh, Jonathan Perez has improved at quarterback. Um, the team is missing a key piece in Dondre Borden, uh, who... who is not on the roster, it seems. Noah Groper, of course, a uh, familiar player. Jacob Boydman, to me, has always been the most underused snapper in FPF. Uh, but this is a team that um, has played together for a while. And Goofy Goobers is sort of guys who've played together but now have reformed their team. So I'm, I'm happy to see them put up 24 in their first week back. Um, but I think I think uh, we, have, we have yet to see either of these teams uh, sort of kick into gear. 
Uh, we're not going to see Max Beer get one target a game, and we're not going to see Jonathan Perez be that sloppy with the ball um, in, in future games. So I'm, I'm curious to see how these two teams sort of pan out uh, moving forward. Do we want to look at 5B as an overview as well just to see where it's at in terms of the overall standings? I think it's a same general term in terms of teams that have moved up, and more of those Division Six teams kind of end up in the breakdowns of the teams that got upgraded and then a few other ones that sit. So off the top of the list here, Save a Horth were moved up from the previous season. Save the Turftles were moved up from the previous season. Well, Trailer the, Park Boys see, is here. Warriors save a Horth, is here. Save a Horth started to fall. They didn't really move up, right? Like it's... Yeah, five, it's that arguable, like, I mean, I always look at it as the team that starts in the lowest tier slash division. To go up by a seat is always a good sign, so that's uh, exciting in a sense. But yeah, like, again, a lot of familiar names or teams that have moved up, a lot of teams that are still here, your threat level midnights, uh, your lockdowns on the list, Air Force One, it's nice to see them back as well. Uh, not I, I would say it's, I'd say it's not nice to see Air Force One in Division 5, and especially not 5B. This team is too good to be in this division. Uh, Simon Blay qualifies for this division. He has almost a perfect quarterback reading in his first game. They have, uh, you know, Chris Chris Van Oort is essentially indefensible in this, div- in this division. Manu uh, Alarois, like we talked about, the new uh, uh, addition to our media team is a really good player too. This team is stacked not super familiar uh of course and uh phil Angers, who somehow got two games played in this game. i just i saw that too i'm gonna go check what that is yeah um that's that team is stacked uh again not familiar to a lot of fpf guys but they took it to replacements in their first game frank tioli colatrella unable say, i was gonna say replacements didn't play very well in this one like there's a media battle that no one knew about right yeah, um, Frank Tioli Colatrella uh, has struggled at times. There are moments where he looks like he's improving. Uh, there's that moment for all quarterbacks, though, low division quarterbacks, where it just sort of clicks, where you just the the, the game literally slows down. Um, so he he you know he's got some reliable weapons in Denzel Thompson and Matthew Chadwick, uh, Rob DLC. Uh, I don't know that he has any like serious speed threats, and that's not going to work against Air Force One. Um, so not entirely on him. Uh, you know, it's not a game where he was terrible either. Like two interceptions in a game where you're outclassed is not the end of the world. Uh, but they they just really weren't able to do anything. I'm, I'm curious to see how they they fare against save the Turtles this week. Uh, it's another another young and quick team. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but for uh, lockdown, uh, Eagle, uh, friend to friend, what is, is this season like make or break for uh, retiree? In a way, you the could say that. Um, so the general story of our last season was a lack of roster. People kind of yeah. committed and then either between injuries, commitment. And, and he couldn't uh, throw. He couldn't throw last Exactly. Last and retiree couldn't throw last year. So we had a different quarterback and that was also part of the struggle. So this year we've gone with a different approach, which is bring back kind of the core veterans that we can rely on on a regular basis, but also add on a few free agents in John Michael and Fonsi, uh, Louis Messier-Lavallee and Reese Morgan Tracy to the squad. 
So that's going to change the dynamic of the team and, you know, give us a little bit more of that athleticism, that speed, that agility that previous rosters are missing. And also a height factor, too, because we're not exactly the tallest team. So uh, it paid off in our first week. Uh, Reese getting a few key, a, a key sacks, rather, versus Cookers. Uh, Louis Messier Lavalle getting a pick six in the red zone, bringing that all the way back. And John Michael Infanzi getting one of the touchdowns for in that game. So definitely uh, yeah. showing their colors right away. Just, just an interesting sort of uh, positioning for 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 Reed because uh, Reed Tyree was one of the top Division Five quarterbacks for a long time, and then was sort of surpassed by like that group of guys around him. I just thought he would make the jump with a lot of other guys, and and just it hasn't happened yet. Um, and so he has the physical skill, as you know, Eagle. So it just comes down to whether or not uh, he can adapt his play calling to an evolving FPF. On the other side, Cookers. Um, not a lot of familiar guys on that team. All, um, all so maybe new. talk to them uh, like that. A lot of issues, if I want to call it that, in this game, in that some people showing up with uh, shorts with pockets or zippers, so not being allowed to play. They're having to figure out a way to make it work. Uh, their quarterback seems to have not been there, and so it was quarterback by committee in a lot of times. They had a lot of halfback plays or run design plays, like option type of reads. Uh, I think they had somewhere about five or six, honestly, might have been more than that, false starts or procedures against the offense for not getting set, like running starts, motion, that type of stuff. Uh, and an objectionable conduct against uh, one of their players as well in this one. So it's a little bit more of like a learning experience for their first game in FPF in terms of understanding the rules, understanding the systems, and kind of understanding plays. But uh, they're they're a decently athletic team. They just got to get a little bit of structure, and they'll be good. Um, Trailer Park Boys are a team that's been disappointing since their uh, decent start in FPF. I believe they started in spring season, Division E. It might have been Division Six in winter. I don't remember. But they, they were a low-division team that I had really high hopes for. Um, they get the win in week one. But Antoine Manier struggling to get things going, uh, only completing eight passes. Um, but it was more than the what could have been who so completed five passes. So that's positive. So um, the way I look at this is that Trailer Park Boys, we've always known them for being a very aggressive man defense, right? They're they're strong, they're tall, they can play that tight coverage, but that's what saved them in games. It's never been their offense putting up 40 points, right? And yeah. NOPs, we, we always talk about the golden rule of you need to score at least four times in a game in order to have a chance in a game realistically. And in today's FPF, you're looking at maybe six seven offensive possessions if that so like two maybe three per half depending on when you start with the ball how it's going etc so i mean you have to be pretty efficient and it, in this game trailer park boys got their four tds but it was still tight like their defense didn't do enough in this one uh to really keep it close and the pick six obviously puts them behind as well so i don't know if this offense is going to carry them or if they're going to go back to their defense all over again yeah, it's, it's been their calling card, and it's sort of been the downfall that they, they can't always seem to score when they need it. Uh, despite having a lot of athleticism in Antoine Meunier, um, you know, the, he's, when he doesn't throw up his back foot, is a very effective quarterback. Um, on the other side, um, a name to notice, perhaps, is Caleb uh, Ferdinand. He, uh, he played in FPF Junior. Um, and then made the transition to to uh, 
you know, the FPF major league uh, or, or men's league. He, he was a really, really good uh, junior player. Um, and he scored eight touchdowns for the one that could have been last season. So I'm curious to see how, how he continues to, to develop and adapt uh, in 5B. Uh, one other team I want to, to draw attention to, Eagle, um, as I continue to load tabs that are taking longer as my computer is getting as tired as I am, um, is Save a Horse. You thought Save a Horse were like this ridiculously strong Division Three team. I, I thought they would fit well and be a dominant Div 5 team. And that's what they looked like in Week 1. They didn't look perfect, but they, they looked... Uh, they look dominant. Kyle Daniel only completing eight passes, only needing 12 attempts because of his penchant to throw downfield. That is what harmed him down the stretch uh, in the spring. That continues to be their play style. I'll, it's fun. I'll give it that. It is fun. Uh, but they get by team, team sexy by a 29 to 18 score, having to put up 22 in the second half. Do you do you think Rob should have let that name go through? Because he's been pretty like adamant about these awkward names and everything, right? Like the little like uh, euphemisms you get away with, but this literally has the term "sexy" in the title. So already there, I'm like, what's going on, Rob? Yet not the more not the most sexual team name in this game. It is the second most uh, between the two team names. Rob's been slipping, man. This is what it is. Uh, all the team names we wanted to pass through in our younger days that we couldn't. Uh, now now it seems to be a, somewhat of a more open time in FPF. And you know what? We're sex positive on Calling the Audible. So we, if we can allow Mo to go to a sex party instead of doing his job, that just shows us, shows you our open attitude towards sex. True. So, you know, those are words. Um, but yeah, for Team Sexy... Uh, not a lot of familiar names on this on this team as well. We're gonna we're of course gonna get more acquainted as time goes. Uh, we recognize of course Isaiah Stern, but the rest of the team seems pretty new. So uh, this is perhaps save a horse using that little bit of of uh, experience and a lot of athleticism to get by in the first week. You want to start looking into co-ed division um, this year? We Let's have a bunch of teams to go through. I was disappointed, Eagle. I. I really enjoyed my experience in co-ed um, in the in the fall, and because of my because of my uh, cap hit, I couldn't throw in um, in co-ed division two. So I was going to so, say co-ed division two doesn't have the same rules as co-ed one because we do have the flex cap this year, yeah. which allows people to surpass the quarterback cap at the penalty of your offensive cap being decreased in the process. Uh, but Coed Two doesn't have that, obviously. So you would have had to play Coed One. I was adamant too that we couldn't have that rule in Coed Two, and then I had to, I, I I was one of the ones who paid the consequence of not not being allowed to throw um, in Coed Two. Um, so it, it was heartbreaking because I really 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 enjoyed the experience uh, in a way that um, I I didn't know I would basically. So. Uh, that said, let's get into it. Um, two and a half kittens make their debut in um, in Coed One. Uh, throwing for them is Hall of Famer Joey Taylor, and Joey Taylor had one of his impressive uh, outings in, in a tie game. They tied twenty six twenty six to Average and Savage. Um, not, he didn't turn the ball over. He 
passed above 70%. It's the Joey Taylor path to success. They just couldn't get it done in the end. I'm going to bring this up right now because I know the question is going to come up. The website currently shows quarterback cap as violated because he's technically over the official 85, but the current website isn't taking into account the flex cap just yet. So when you take into the flex cap, he's three points over, which is a 15-point penalty, which puts him at uh, 473.9, which is 1.1 under. So expect two and a half kittens to continuously show this as long as the total is under 460 they're good is really what it comes down to so just keep that in mind because i know we're going to get emails about it i just wanted to bring this up immediately um so this is a joke that's going to make sense to five people carlo Carlo! (laughs) oh pretty much yeah um, but, you know, like Alexi Labonte is a guy who's played in this league a long time. Um, he led his team uh, as well. Um, I, I, w- I was hoping to see Rachel Gagnon get on the board. She had the three targets but has not yet found uh, that connection with her quarterback. On the other side, Joey Taylor did connect with Shauna uh, Mutosis. I'm going to try with some names. I, I'm usually better at um i butcher the names usually you're pretty good at this yeah but normally normally i have time to uh prepare per game because mo sets it up so now i'm setting up and having to prepare what i'm going to say at the same time which is different from my normal role on the show so i do apologize sean i'll get your name right by season's end if not feel free to yell at me um all the obscenities are welcome uh and expected uh gab wiseman of course led this team um in receptions targets gab is one of he's fpf royalty at this point so not not surprising to see such a dominant performance um in in code one uh I'm, was there I'm anything that the your one surprised in this game though with a squad of wiseman rupchik bertoldi and zwern they only scored 26 points and tie the game so i'll tell you what alexi zubat told me um in fpf in co-ed the strength of your women uh get you across because you're limited to, to to only being able to play four men. And especially when one of them is your quarterback, um, you really need to rely on, on, on your, your, your women, especially the, the way coverage works in, uh, in co-ed is the best defenders usually defend the men sometimes uh, at their peril, because uh, if you don't know how good some of these women are, they can absolutely torture you, uh, which I learned in FPF uh, playing co-ed by the way, but, um it's something that they'll 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 have to adapt to that having a loaded roster of guys who've succeeded in the the men's division isn't necessarily a path to success is one of the keys but it really will come down to 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 your uh to your strength i love the name bishop sycamore being used um in in fpf for those who don't know bishop sycamore were a fake team uh who've lost uh, in the high school showcase on espn um, in, a, in a game that was borderline unsafe, uh, Tommy Roldi Trojados throwing for them uh, took on a much more experienced quarterback in Francois Delorier, who I am Francois Delorier, by the way. Um, and Only a certain um, set of people will get that yeah, joke. Nine people will get that joke. Sl- slightly more people will get that joke. Uh, but Francois leading his team here. Uh, and it's no surprise. My right? party mix have been sort of one of the established one, Catherine Pichet uh, catching two touchdowns. Um, and Alexi Gomo. offense, right, in terms of targets and receptions, perfect uh, catch completion, so that's good. 
Yeah, and, and Catherine Pichet is going to be doing that a lot, uh, where Alexi Gomon was the, the, the big play receiver. Uh, Tommy Rodi Trojados needs to develop sort of some some timing chemistry, of course, with his team. But you know what? Four touchdown passes in this game, in his first game as a co-ed quarterback, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, and I, I attribute that to his knowledge of the game. There's only a uh, a nine point difference in this particular game, right? So that's a one interception and a few extra points. So considering it's yeah. his first game as QB, one mistake plus a couple of EPs are really the difference in it against Party Mix. That's uh, that's pretty impressive to me. I'm 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 pleased for that, and I'm excited for the rest of the games. Absolutely, and and then um, Coed to Coed two. Um, the two teams we expected to be at the top, Yin and Yang and Kiss My End Zone. The rivalry continues, uh, but they're they're leading the pack. They're they're um, they're both one and zero to start the season. Uh, of course, Fit Squad and the Sec tied. Uh, but starting with Kiss My End Zone, um, Kiss My End Zone have had to rebuild their team, sort of t- season in season out. Uh, they add uh, James Drysdale. Was a huge piece. Jonathan Harrod, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, got hurt, so we'll have to see how that goes. But um, they have, uh, to me, one of the most reliable snappers in the division in Abigail Cockerton. Um, just great hands, will catch anything as long as you pl- you put it on the clock, so to speak. Um, and, and that's going to be a piece for David DeAndre to use moving forward. This is the kind of game where the stats don't make a ton of sense. Uh, he did actually only throw nine passes. I actually have uh, it on good authority. Um, you know, a game where they didn't have to do much. They they went up against Team Commando, um, and they put up, uh, the, you know, the the three touchdowns to the air, one touchdown on the ground, and that was really all they needed to get by Team Commando. Instead of a slow-paced game, uh, Philip DiCinzio, um, not as effective, which is understandable. Dave DeAndre, of course, having much more experience. Um, and on that side, of course, Edward Gagnon lead, leading the offense with two touchdowns. Uh, and we'll have to see how, how this team uses the, deploys their women. Uh, Ariane Brenko and Florence Testi-Tremblay, uh, you know, they, they combined for five targets, which is great, but, you know, 11 yards total. They'll have to find ways to get them in space so that the offense can uh, can work um, at its highest and most efficient, uh, the most efficient way that it can, essentially. Um, sorry for that word salad, but that though, that's my thoughts on that game. I, I know you mentioned it earlier, Pease, but when we're talking about the La Sect got a, getting a tie this week against a, a new fit squad. Um, thoughts on that? Because we know La Sect struggled a little bit in past seasons, especially offensively. I mean, defensively, yes, but you know, it's more if you're not putting up points, then you're turning over the ball, and it results to more points against. Um, Rafael uh, Beauchamp de Bois, 50% completion rate, 60 yards, four INTs. Basically, his defense getting it done. Alicine Francillon with two pick sixes to keep them in this game. Sounds like they haven't really solved their offensive problem yet. So um, that's the thing with La Secte is they, they, they've struggled at the quarterback position. Alison Francillon started. Uh, we've seen Rafael Beauchamp de Bois, uh, you know, take snaps as well. Um, they absolutely need the defense, and, and that's the credit to their 
knowledge that they've acquired over the past few seasons and, and improving on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Lorietti, to me, has been criminally underused um, in that offense. So hopefully, uh, you know, Raphael can design better plays that can work. But I think the sector is going to continue to struggle unless, you know, either Raphael develops a playbook that fits his style um, or they find a permanent replacement at quarterback. Um, for Fit Squad, you know, it, it, there was also four interceptions for, for Frederick uh, Chevrolet as well, right? So uh, not a clean game in the slightest uh, at all. Uh, they did get a big play from uh, Celestine And they scored on offense. That's the big deal here, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> that's a great that, – that's true. That's a good point. They actually came from behind to tie this game. You know, like that to me is an indication for Lasek that things kind of went south. Raphael Beauchamp de Bois not being able to put up a point in the second half and letting Fit Squad, a brand new team, come back in the game. Um, also, look at who got all four of the interceptions. It's Alessin Francais just carried that defense. All four picks yeah. to him. Well, he's he's very good. Like he's a he's a very good player. Um, so it's not shocking. Uh, to see. I know that when I played against Lasek, he's the dude who I had to mark on every play and literally had to design plays. If I wanted my receivers on that side to get work, I needed to have crossing routes to move him across the field. I, I, I had to manipulate him across the field in order to create space. And um, that's the kind of defender he is. So, so Lasek, I think, are the t- kind of team that can rely on their defense from game to game. But I think that Again, uh, the development of an offensive playbook is really uh, what they need to, what they need to look forward to. And P's another thing that I find interesting in this game. We talked pre- previously about how you know Alexi says women make the big difference uh, on these rosters here. Fit squad <laughs> with uh, Laurence Pobriand, Roxane Grangi, and Celestine Sartier getting a significant number of targets yeah. as compared to the other counterparts and putting up significant yardage as well. So that's always a good sign in terms of being able to use your entire roster across the field. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's get to uh, Div Three. I want to make sure we have enough time to cover them as well. Uh, Sheesh get off to a hot start. They went 44-13. I'm sorry, what team? Sheesh. My mistake. You know what's funny is uh, uh, my buddy and I have taught my godson to say sheesh like that, and it's his favorite thing to say. (laughs) Like, it's two years now, and we can't get that kid to say barely anything else because he loves to say it. Uh, But this team, again, missing... um, Missing Dondre Borden, but you know Vincent Benjamin, Noah Groper, uh, Mathieu Lapage—that's a pretty stacked roster. Uh, and we saw Craig O'Brien struggle in this one. He uh, he threw six interceptions. That's not a stat line you see very often. Uh, Andrew Langbird, of course, being one of the best defensive play callers in FPF, he leads uh, his side with two interceptions um, against what is going to be, I think, a pretty good team. I, so the worry I have for past our prime has never been Craig O'Brien's quarterbacking skill. It's always been the surrounding cast, right? Because it's always been what I'll call an aging roster, I guess is the nicest way I can say that. An ancient roster is what you meant to pronounce. I you said aging. Yeah. Oh, my mistake, my mistake. But when you look at this team, right? Sean Kennedy, Tony Lala, Kevin Wyeth of the receiver, GM Calethris, uh, Darnell Kevis Riley. That's not necessarily a bad squad. Patrick Zathon also on this team. So 
I mean, it's not what you would look at a Craig O'Brien roster and be like, oh, yeah, these are the usual guys and, and you know, having problems because of the age type of thing. That's not a bad squad. So I'm I mean, the age is still there. The age yes. is still an issue. But it's not an excuse. No. It just, to me, when you look across, like, so Kevin Wyeth is a solid, you know, player, uh, but obviously the greatest FPF quarterback. Um Sean Kennedy, of course, very good player as well. But how many guys on Pastor Prime would you consider sort of div to an up talent at this point in their careers, playing the position well, they're playing? I, I would say Sean Kennedy's still up there. He's that. He's that's him, though, right? That's the one guy. Well, why is like, but QB? So doesn't no. But I'm saying in their position, whereas like Matthew Lepage, Vincent Benjamin, to me, from an athletic standpoint, are there. Jacob Boydman, again, underused, but very good player as well. Um, just athletically, I don't I don't think they really stood much of a chance, but that's been past our prime's calling card their entire time in FPF. Famously, uh, Mo keeps drawing my attention, kept drawing my attention, saying I hate them. They're, I don't. They're actually a group of great guys, but uh, that roster has always been infuriating because I remember they used to take our very young roster and bend them over their knees, but I think that the passive prime moniker might be actually coming true at this point. Do you think I'm off base here? No, I can totally see it. I'm also curious to see is this Craig making bad decisions or is this balls going off receivers hands? Cause sometimes you never know. Yeah, we should have, we should have asked GM about that. Uh, but of course, with all the things happening in FPF this week, we, we didn't get the details. Um, I'm curious to see how, how, how they, uh, shake out for the rest of the season um, but we'll have to see we'll have to see of course uh, Bearskins beat Lightweight Lightweight I'm actually going... just going to ask about that game because this is the return of a couple franchises uh, that we haven't seen in a little bit of time to questionable results Doug so, McKernan being quarterback for Lightweight yeah um, Simon Dajne has tendonitis in his throwing elbow so yeah, he's, he's going to be out for a week years, or two. So. Yeah, uh, but apparently it's bad now. <laughs> so he was unable to play this game. Uh, so Doug McKernan, quarterback. Doug McKernan is a very different kind of quarterback. He's a one read, uh, and if it's not there, he'll scramble and buy time. Um, and that's not the strength of this team. You know, uh, Eddie Lee, uh, Justin Blanchard, Francois Hogue are all guys who have their defined roles and – Simon is really good at maximizing what those guys do. Uh, Doug McKernan has more of a sandbox sort of uh, backyard football kind of vibe. And it works when he has the right pieces around him. I don't know that these are the right pieces for that kind of offense. On the other side, Bearskins continue to do what they do, win unspectacularly, right? That's That's been their calling card forever. Neil Edinson, who has now, of course, been a championship quarterback, uh, teamed with uh, guys like Vinny Galano, Sean Avram, Jordan Allard, uh, brings in the little bit of youth. Uh, and, of course, Marco Bertoldi. It's still leading that offense. Uh, no matter what names they add, he always seems to be the guy uh, that the offense runs through, and this game was no exception. I, I know we talked about it earlier, but you think Incredibles might steal a couple guys off this squad and try and ramp up their their core? Uh, I, they, I think they might need to. I think they might need to. Uh, but we'll see, of course. We'll see them when they get all of their pieces. Uh, whereas, you know, Unlike the Incredibles, Bearskins had all of their pieces here uh, in this game. So uh, 
that's the difference in FPF. Uh, it's hard to win. Rosters are not that big, right? So if you don't have all of your players, it's hard to get a win. Um, um, a team I, I want to talk about. I don't really want to talk about it, but I feel like we should address the elephant in the room, or more specifically, the Oompa Loompas in the room, who take a shellacking against EZW, 55-6. to six. Now, and of course, there could be a variety of reasons for this, but I look at the Oompa Loompas roster, and they're all brand new players with base Division three ratings. So, mm -hmm. is this... Hey, I want to register, and there's only a, a spot available in Division Three. Or is this? Hey, I want to register, and we're good. And even though we tell you not to, you do it anyways. Or is well, this so some other reason that we haven't come up with? Why are you asking me this question? You're the guy I would ask this question of. Because I'm not involved in the paperwork of it, but I would imagine it's okay. probably one of those things, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's hard to play in Division Three unless you've played before, man. There's there's some really good teams. There's some really good teams. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about this game because it's literally their first game in FPF playing Against a game yeah. EDW who just played in Tier One in the fall. Ah, uh, uh, and and they might like this team is so new they don't even know what Tier One is in the fall. We we don't have divisions. We have tiers. So um, yeah, they were in the top tier and were competitive to a degree uh basically playing division one and two competition uh now coming down and you know jeremy white i'm sure that the game has slowed down for him at this point after playing that level of competition um i mean just, but just I they scored eight touchdowns so seven on offense one on defense and they had seven of eight extra points completed too so yeah ezw firing on all cylinders in this one so for this division you know we talk about uh ezw we expect them to be at the top of the division who are the teams you expect to be at the top? Um, and is there anyone who will climb despite a rough start? So I'm going to do this by a mini conference here. So in Conference A East, I would imagine uh, Bearskins are probably going to hold out. Lima Lud are back, which is interesting. So their yeah. roster has been a little bit different every year, uh, depending on who's going to be quarterbacking again. Uh, it could change the outcome of the roster. Right now, it's Anthony Beauchamp-Fraser who's taking over, and Dragamalet is back, and uh, Guillaume saint -Amal did Well, Beauchamp-Fraser has been the quarterback for a while. Like, they, they, they're, they haven't played in a while, but while, when they were, like, the team that was always returning to Division Three, one of those, like, teams that are parked in the division, they've been competitive with him as quarterback. So I expect them not necessarily to be one of the top-tier teams, but definitely competitive week in, week out. Yeah, and LGC, I don't know if they're going to hold up in this particular division. I mean, of I those four tough. teams, I think Bearskins and Maluda are going to be the ones that hold it. In uh, the West, I think Sheesh takes this. Blessed might give them a run for their money, but no, I'm going to It's got to be blessed. Yeah. It's got to be blessed. No, it's, I don't think blessed. so. You really? Blessed. Um, they have the... Well, let, me, let, me, let me open the roster first before I make... Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the best the quarterback. I, I don't think, the, I think it's the best quarterback in division. Well. It's the best quarterback in division. Jafar Jafar Hassan is an excellent defender who a lot of people don't know about yet. Same with David uh, Gutkowski, Marvin Steinberg, uh, Will Power, Kevin Smuda, and they have probably the best rusher in the division in Terry Babalos. I don't know. Uh, to me, the, 
if you if you put Chiefs versus Blessed and there will be a game that's going to happen, I'm going to peek on it what week that's going to be in. It's going to be week five. They're going to be in their prime at that point. That's going to be an interesting game. That's going to be game of the week. That's going to be game of the week. I don't even care what the rest of the slate is. That's going to be game of the week. In Conference B, I think EZW takes it pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, I don't see anyone else taking that one. And then in the South, I... I don't know how to read this one. So Expendables is interesting to me. They haven't played a game yet. They play next week. It's another one of those situations of like a past our prime roster where it's a mix of new and old, a lot of good talent uh, and athleticism, a lot of upper division mm-hmm. players all together. It's just the mix and how that's going to work. Obviously, a lot of minds on the field, um, but who's actually going to be uh, at pivot is going to be interesting. So I think they have a chance, but obviously we haven't seen the results just yet. Other than that, if Pastor Prime gets their act together, that could be an option. Killer Bees have been hit or miss in past seasons. So well, Killer Bees, Killer Bees are coming down from Div Two, yeah. So we don't actually know how they fit in this division. They they did score forty points in the first week. That that's a good sign. Yeah. So I I don't know what's gonna happen on that one over there. Uh, Killer Bees played uh, Speed Academy. Speed Academy, by the way. Yeah. So I don't know. That, that that's the one that's the hardest one to judge. I think the other ones there's like clear favorite or favorites, but I think the South, the fact that it's five teams is interesting too because it could there's more teams to grab it. But that's my general yeah. thoughts on them. I don't know if there's any other teams you see that uh, might be different. Well, so my thoughts on Division Three are, are that um, it's very top heavy. I don't think I think that the, I think it's going to come down to Sheesh Blessed, EZW. And that's it. Those are the, there's a top three, and then there's everybody else. It's kind of what we saw. Was it in the fall? Yes. Where like question mark? Like finish the. I know. I think. I think it's actually in spring. I don't remember. Where, where basically Sheesh and Bless sort of led, to like they were team like one and one A basically, um, and I think we're gonna see that again. Uh, Bearskins I see being slightly not as good. Maybe lightweight when Simon returns because, you know, we've made fun of Simon for a long time. But in Division Three, he's a guy who's played quarterback in Division Two and scored a lot of points. So, um, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. But to me, there's a top three, and then there's everyone else. I can see it. I mean, Division Three is that kind of like I'll call it make or break division in a lot of ways. You know, where either you're gonna make the jump into Div Two, where you would say the competition gets even higher or you kind of, you know, linger in three, maybe double and four and everything. I would say it's probably as much as we like to say Div 1 is the pinnacle of competition. I think Div 3 is that nice mix of, you know, a lot of teams on the cusp ready to make that next jump, but just not there just yet. So it's always the most interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, And like those are the teams that we're sort of outlining, right? Like guys, teams that we think... Man, if things break their way, they might be a Division Two team in Division Three. You know what I mean? So, much, yeah. uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. And like like in the case of Stephen Harper, saw he's already throwing in Division Two, right? Like, so um, definitely not a stretch to believe that they can do that. He can he can do that at this level as well. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do Division Four women's, and we'll get to the mailbag. And we're back. <laughs> Very, very uh, professional, especially to those who don't listen to all the hours. We are back. We are in hour three. It's actually hour four for Eagle and I. Uh, it's been a long, long, long night. Uh, but yeah, so 
Welcome to everyone joining us. You are listening to and perhaps watching Call on the Audible. Uh, for those of you who have stuck through for all three hours, thank you for your patronage. We really do enjoy it. Uh, this week is going to be sans a lot of the shenanigans that we normally do, although Division 4 will have more shenanigans than usual. I have a game that I haven't even told Eagle about, and I'm going to introduce it, and we're going to play it on this oh, on this so. uh, episode. Oh, no, no, we're doing it. We're doing it. I had Iggy do some work for me uh, in Denver, so he he was kind enough to, to put that all together for me. It's, it's really stupid. Don't worry. Um, which is okay, because we've been missing some stupidity, because I have to lead the show, which means I can't goof off as much, which is less enjoyable for me, uh, because Mo Khan is away. He's taking a course in taxidermy. So if you want to learn how to drive taxis or stuff things into dead things, Mo's going to be your guy. I don't even um, know what to say on this. It's, yeah. 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 I mean, it's better than the orgy. Is uh, it though? <laughs> it's, all, it's creepier than the orgy. So there's yeah, that. Is it though? <laughs> um, yes, it is. It's definitely creepier than the orgy. I, I was going to say, this, went, this got really dark as the episodes went on, right? First he's like, eating cats or something and that one's totally fine well see like isn't that the darkest one i feel like we got lighter through time so maybe um the text i mean if you combine the first one and the second one is he really eating cats well i was gonna say the first and third one the um the taxidermy is for the leftover cats the ones he couldn't finish so maybe it's a way to preserve them for future consumption like a refrigerator. I really hope but this isn't someone's first episode. <laughs> Every episode is someone's first episode, right? So here, what we're doing is we're doing uh, division. Um, we're doing division four. We're doing the women's division, and then we're going to get to the FPF mailbag, where we'll answer some questions uh, and talk about uh, some things that are on the community's mind. So for those of you who stuck through, that's where you get your reward because we actually get you involved in the show. But also, please continue to reach out to us. Uh, we're pretty easy to find, so uh, contact us on whatever platform you prefer. Remember that week two is picture week, so try not to look like an asshole. Um, that is all the administrative work there is for uh, for that. Um, we'll get to Division 4. We'll start with that. Eagle, you want 4A or 4B to start? Uh, well, just a description. There are four registered into one spot, but then we divided it into two separate breakdowns, so 4A and 4B. Uh, let's do the reverse. Let's do 4B first, actually, since we did all the other A's at the beginning. So let's start with 4B on this one over here. Um, just quickly, when we go through the breakdown of it, uh, like usual, we're going to have ourselves two conferences with two subdivisions each in each one of them. Do you want to just start off by just looking at breakdowns and see any outliers or teams you think shouldn't be here? Well, I was surprised at first to see Golden Eagles um, in 4B, but sort of intelligently built team. They have some uh, young t- talent that doesn't have a ton of experience and a bunch of old guys. Uh, so despite that, they they take a loss in the first game. Uh, the Vultures, who are a team who are improved rapidly since their start in Division 6. Uh, ben McMahon led them to a win over uh, Kevin Lubin's Golden Eagles. Golden Eagles are one of the first uh, FPF dynasties in Division 5. One of those ill-fated dynasties, Eagle, who went 10-0 and uh, only to uh, lose the championship, um, or just to lose in the playoffs. Sorry, first round in the playoffs, like, like many of those dynasties. Alex David from Golden Eagles has the distinction of being on two of those teams. Um, so... 
it's it's a team we, we've been familiar with, a team we have expected success for years and years and years, finally coming back together, although a little bit different from what we've expected. Um, but the familiar names, of course, being guys like Donald Jacques, Alex David, uh, Stephen St. Fleur returns uh, as well. So it, it's cool to see a lot of familiar names, as well as them adding, like, uh, you know, a guy like, uh, I just saw it, Alex LaRoche, right? Like, uh, a lot of FPF experience along with some younger players, as we said. Meanwhile, on the other side, the Vultures, you know, the normal guys you expect, James Drysdale, Anthony Drysdale, Philip Roberts, uh, Gary McMahon, guys who we recognize as being part of that roster. And, of course, the impossible, the impossibility of containing Ben McMahon, right? Yeah, I think that's the one that people really struggle with. The What I've noticed about the Vultures is their playbook isn't very developed. As in, no. you know, we always talk about there's three to five plays that teams like to run. That might be their entire playbook, honestly. But McMahon can They're... transform those plays on the run, right? Just by creating space, rolling windows for his own receivers to hit. Yeah. Traditionally, it's not only three to five plays. It's three receivers, he just doesn't use the outside receivers uh, as much as he should. Um, and to me, that's the thing about this that I find shocking is that Kevin Lubin is a very good uh, defensive play caller. So I'm surprised that they didn't adapt on the fly as much as I thought they could have. Um, but um, yeah, they, they take a loss in their first week. Um, what did you see that caught your eye? Um, I want to bring something up to everyone's attention, which is Sphinx. Uh, they are, re- well, returning. They've usually played in Division 4 and 5, so right now they're in 4B. They had a tie against Los Locos in Week 1. The reason why I'm bringing up this game is that Sphinx is going to forfeit this game because they are 12 points over the cap. So we've recently communicated with the teams to let them know that they're going to be forfeiting. Remember, you got to be under your cap numbers for the division in order to qualify. So instead of a 25-25 tie, this is going to be a 30 to nothing win for Los Locos. So don't be the Sphinx. Only the most obvious thing. And like also, here, here, if I'm the Sphinx, I go to bed really upset. Because not only did you violate the cap by 12 points, but you also didn't win the game. Yeah, that's the you know? really sad part about it. <laughs> you know, and and... You face Los Locos, who, you know, they're a team that's developing, right? Um, so, Etzen Cloutier is a very experienced quarterback. We talked about former Division Five sort of teams that ran the table. Sphinx were, were they the first 10-0 team to lose first round of the playoffs? Yeah. Oh, no, that was the, was the family? Mm, yeah, I think it was the family. Oh, I don't remember how that was. I think the family was the one to lose. That's a long time ago, though. We're talking like... I know. Winter but, but, 2010, something like that. But it was it was like this whole at one point Division 5 had a team every season that would go 10 and 0 and lose in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and and Sphinx was was one if they're not the first they're amongst the first. Um and so uh they're a good team. They 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 bring Jean-Christophe Binet, but I don't know who they'll be able to keep. 12 points over the cap is massive. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the problem is Division 4A has a cap of 445 and Division 4B has a cap of 430. Because they're in Division B, it's because because their roster was eligible for it because we drew the line and let them be here, which means you can't go over the cap. So don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was surprised that Bruins lost in, the, in week one. 
Um, we talked before about Gab Wiseman. This is the team he's actually able to throw for. This is a team we saw be successful in in spring, in, in, um, in the, the 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 fall season. Uh, they returned Zach Swern. Zach Swern uh, only getting two targets, making a single catch. Uh, Robert Cristiano doing the damage for them. Uh, but I saw part of this game. They didn't look good against Mongoose. I was going to say, Mongo's coming Mongoose. back as well. Alexander Godet being here and bringing back his usual receivers. Jonathan Chevalier is here. Cedric Knuckles back and adding Francois Delorier to this squad. Go, uh, Mongoose were always good, right? And so this yeah. iteration is also well, you good. Don't, you don't need to tell me, Eagle. My first championship game was a game I lost to Mongoose with Correct. a team that I thought was overwhelming. And they just always find a way. They are the epitome of a team that sort of like plays as a team, wins as a team kind of thing. Uh, but of course, you know, with JD, with uh, Jonathan Chevalier, with uh, Francis Delorier, you know, Cedric Knuckle was one of these like low division stars for a long time. So it's cool to see them return. I didn't think that they'd be able to go toe to toe with Bruins on week one and be able to dominate the way they did. So and here's here's a question for you, and I think oh did Pease just hang up on me? I think Pease just hung up on me. Let's try this again. This is fun. This is fun. Hey Pease. Hi. Did you hit hang up? No, it's worse. I have so many tabs open. Um, I hit back while I was on the Skype page. Week one. <laughs> week one for everyone. Week one for everyone, folks. All right. Uh, what I was just saying before is here's, here's a question for you, and I think this is going to make sense when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Bruins, were they a big fish in a small pond when they were playing in other divisions, and now they've finally mm-hmm. met their match? I think that uh, I wouldn't say that per se because the, the top end of their team is very talented. Rocco Cristiano and Matthew Wimmer are absolute burners. Uh, Zach Swern's a top division talent. They add Jocelyn Kellex, who's very good. Gab Wiseman is one of the smarter quarterbacks in FPF. My concern with Bruins always has been the um, inflexibility of their defense. They do one thing. They do it pretty well, but if you know what they're doing, it's fairly easy to pick apart, and you can create the mismatches. Um, so until that changes, they they're going to be susceptible to these kinds of games. Unfortunately, when they put, especially against a guy like like Alex Godet, right? Like Alex Godet doesn't. You have to force him to make mistakes. He's not going to give it to you. Yeah, no, exactly that. You're going to have to force them out, and clearly not in this game. I mean. Uh... 19 for 28, uh, six touchdowns, more than 200 yards. And again, I always look at the defensive stats to see those nine incompletions. What were they? I see no PDs, and that worries me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because you you know, um, if you're even a moderately experienced quarterback in FPF, you know what they're doing from the first snap, and then they don't do anything else. That's all I can say with like, Giving it away. We've talked about it on the show before as well. It's yeah, just, we have. Yeah. You know, you know what? You don't want to give away all the goods week one. You know what I mean? And um, the thing is, they the way Bruins have approached it is like this is just who we are. This is our identity. This is the way we're going to win games. This is the way we're going to lose games, right? But as you move up through the divisions, that's harder to do, right? Exactly. No, I completely agree. 
Um, let's go to 4A. 4A, uh, because... do you think is balanced, or do you think there's like a clear standout of all the teams that are in it? Um, well... Because I look I'm, at this, I'm happy... and it's not obvious to me, like, who's the strong teams and who's the weak teams. It's very mixed, is the way I look at it. Um, well... Um, there's top top season. I'm 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 glad to see them actually pushing themselves because I've always felt that they've played in divisions under their ability, and they get a win. They're rewarded with a win in the first week. Sean McGrath uh, at quarterback there, um, and maybe small giants blackouts are a team we we saw have a lot of success in the spring. Um, those are the two I think. Um, I have a game I'd like to play with you because these teams, I believe, are all in 4A. Um, so I listen to a podcast where the, they talk about movies that are rated under 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And it's a podcast called Cinephobe where the, the hosts then need to decide whether they phobe or file the movie. Phobe being that it is accurately rated and uh, for uh, and to file means they've ascertained that the movie is actually a good movie, just rated poorly. Uh, so I, I, I kind of like this concept because we always talk about overrated, underrated in sports, but that's always code for I like them or don't like them. So what I had instead was I had Iggy rate these teams. Like if you had to rate teams as being under forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, give me some teams that would that would um, that would fit um, just that criteria. Fair. Are we comparing this to finishing the season like four and six, like forty percent win rate on their no, games? No, no. They just... they, they uh, are rated by the experts as being under forty percent. But we are the experts. No, Iggy is the Iggy single is expert. The expert. Okay, okay. So how do you want to do this? So uh, I'm going to list the teams, and then we're gonna we're going to give our opinion whether or not. They are. This team's an absolute banger, like we can have Bernie's to, like a horrible bosses to, or are they more like Hurricane Heist? Will we phobe or file them? So again, phobe meaning they absolutely deserve to be under forty percent. File meaning absolute banger. Um, this Iggy's completely wrong. He has no taste. Okay. Okay. I think I can work with you on this. All right. It's basically overrated, underrated. Yeah, I just yeah, had I to find it. a code for it, basically. Uh, so the first team we're starting with is, uh, and, and this is just flames from Iggy to start with. He he listed um, he listed the Brotherhood. Yep. So let's uh, open up that tab. That's My internet again slowing down as the night's moving. So this <laughs> is a similar but different variation of the Brotherhood roster. A lot of same names. Uh, but Jeremy Ronson taking over as quarterback, which is probably the biggest difference on this entire squad. Yeah, I... and it's obviously not um, having the OJI quarterback, right? Like that's yep. this team couldn't fit the cap with him. Uh, they've always been really good at managing their cap, um, and this is the latest evolution of that. I I'm worried for this team, so I'm going to. This one because of the quarterback issues. Um, so that is the concern. Um, I, I would say in the past, Jeremy Ronson has been a nice piece, but not sort of like the top end talent that we've 
we've seen from them before. Um, we obviously recognize Saad and Ahmed Majid, who are two of the best recruiters in FPF. So I look at a guy like Nathan Neandro, who I'm not familiar with. I look at uh, Rahman Khan, who I'm not familiar with. I'm like, maybe these are the guys. These are the guys who could turn the corner. I'm interested. I think Jeremy Ronson's played in the league long enough. And look, he's only he only had 11 attempts. Uh, Nathan Neandro was worse at quarterback throwing three interceptions so i i'm 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 curious to me i don't know if this is a good movie but it's an entertaining movie it's definitely weekend at bernie's too file it give me file for the brotherhood the right, next the team next the next team spiros cougars uh I, of course first of all it's gonna be hard for me i'm gonna say this off the bat i'm too emotional about this it's gonna be hard for me to phobe uh, Spiros Cougars because they're named after Junior Spera who who passed away last year unfortunately uh, losing his battle of cancer and basically is an FPF hero just there isn't a person on earth who didn't like Junior Spera and um, his his team now being named in his honor so I'm going to file this one uh, because of all the things of a, I just said <laughs> no not actually not because of that so in this first game against Santor, they had Arminio Yataluka come in as their quarterback, and within the first few plays, immediately tore his ACL. So oh, best of recovery awesome. to him. Uh, it definitely sucks, and it's going to be a, a long road back. Now, I don't, I don't know if it's been confirmed, because I know he's going through the test and everything, but definitely a knee injury significant enough to not be able to walk type of thing immediately after it happens. Like, it's all puffy and everything. So, already your game plan is completely thrown out the window in this first game. So, I kind of write that one off. Vince Pisano taking over as QB, most likely in this one over here. And then we talked earlier about uh, Santino and uh, Dante Sparagna. They're going to be decent. Uh, You have Alejandro Barrestoni on the squad, Nicholas Grappini, classic names. Anthony Siggia is on this team. Um, I'm I'm definitely filing this as uh, something I'm gonna keep watching for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, you know, and guys like John Jamarello has been on this team for a long time. Mario Ronaldi, guys who are not uh, sort of like FPS followers, but just are familiar within the system. Um, they 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 might not, them on the other hand, I don't know if they're as entertaining, but I think the team is gonna be solid throughout the season. Um, again, if Arminio Yadaluka returns, easy file, easy file, right? Like he's FPS first superstar. We joke around that in the, in the black and white uh, highlight reels, Arminio Yadaluka uh, was sort of that guy. They also know enough football players that I think that he can be replaced. But Vince Pisano, in and of his, in and on his own, is a Division Four quarterback. Uh, I've played head to head with him in back when we were in Division Six and Division Five. It's nonsensical to me that he wouldn't be a Division Four quarterback. So uh, even without Erminio, I think they're in good hands. Obviously, ideally, ideally, if Erminio is back, that's that's huge. I would even venture to say that they might even be better off with Erminio as a receiver, just because of how good he is as a receiver. Uh, but obviously, with the knee issue, Vince prefers playing receiver. Funny enough, so he, he actually he's explaining it's the other way around that he would like it. But who knows? All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see the next team on the docket. Let's. We'll have to ascertain whether Les Bleus Branlars are going to be uh, above or under forty percent on Rotten this Tomatoes. Team has mystified me for years, years. Yeah. I. This is this is what's a good example of this. This is like the Matrix Three, where <laughs> okay, you like. 
every every version you've seen previously has been excellent. But there's been moments where you're like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't like this anymore. And so now we're kind of getting to like the resurrections, the reboots, whatever the new one was called. And you're like, eh, okay. Like I've seen this before. It's all the same. It's the classic what we see for rosters. Minton Tath is on the squad. Olivier Lebert is on the squad. Simon Tudel is on the squad. Phil Angers misses a game on the squad. I, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to phobe this only just because it's been done and not successful. So um, there's sometimes there are movies like... Um, what, can, how can, what can I think of? Uh, Troll 2. Pretty bad movie overall. Nothing redeemable. Yeah. That's the that's fan. The bug on the guy's face and they're going to eat mm-hmm. me. And yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Cats. Bad movie. Um, Deuce Bigelow. European Gigolo. These are all movies that are rated under 40% that deserve that rating in my opinion. Um, but every once in a while, you get a movie that every time you watch it, you're not sure how you feel. Um, Last Action Hero is that for me. Um, where I... Didn't think much of it when it came out, and then uh, I liked it, and then sort of went through a period where I didn't like it. And then I rewatched it recently. I'm like, you know what? In this time, this movie actually fits better. Um, I played with Mint on Tat in the past, and uh, he didn't play in this first week. Um, so we see Olivier Pilato play quarterback. I don't know what the makeup of the roster is going to be, so I'm going to phobe them because of the roster inconsistency. Because I, when I turn on Last Action Hero, I want to see Arnold. You know? Yeah. When I see yeah. Olivier I want to see Mental Tat throwing to Olivia Pilato. And I want to see uh, Pilato at quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fold them. I'm going to fold them. The last one we got, uh, Big Fun. Big Fun. I haven't looked at this roster, so this is going to be interesting for me. It's also impossible for us to know all of the rosters in FPF in every division week one, right? So they lost 41-8 week one. Um, and Big Fun features guys like Brandon Taylor, uh, Doug McKernan, Evan Eli Nolet, um, guys who are fairly familiar. Uh, Zachary Alberts. They also lost to blackouts. And, yeah. I mean, out of all teams, like – for example, Adam Sinagra in this game was 9 for 14 with 5 interceptions. So whoever's covering the deep ball is clearly making mistakes, right? That well, means we've, you don't we've do that talk- by driving the field nicely. We've also talked about Adam Sinagra and the dubiousness of him throwing in Division 4. Yeah. So, right? At least it's 4A. <laughs> so I think the problem this team is going to have is an issue in systems. You have Evan Eli Nolet, who's quarterbacking, because uh, Doug McKernan is over the cap in order to be eligible for Division Four to throw. But I don't trust Evan's system and play calling more than I trust Doug's system. So I think the huddles are going to be very busy, which means that your receivers aren't going to get the ball. So as much as you have Zachary Alberts-Gill, uh, Andrew Ledoux, Brandon Taylor, obviously Mike Francese is excellent. I just don't see them being fed, and so I'm worried that this is going to be a long season. So I'm going to go with Phobe on this, but I'm kind of hoping that they maybe get a turnaround midway and kind of get things together and maybe have like you know a, 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 a second half or a reboot that actually makes it a little bit better. That's not bad. Um, 
<sighs> I'm trying to think of that movie. There was like everyone in it. It, it was uh, an action. Why, why can't I think of it? My God, I'm tired. Is it the today. Expendables? It's not the Expendables. It's similar. Um, who's that dude from who played the agent in? Um... <laughs> why can't I think of the show? Oh my God, Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven was in it as an action movie. Look that up while I'm while I'm talking about this cast. Um. <laughs> This is going to be hard to find, but okay, let's try here. It was definitely a movie. Yeah, it was a movie. Jeremy You're not Fibon talking about Entourage, movie. are you? No, no, no. He was in Entourage, but his first, Smoke and Aces. Literally, I typed in Jeremy Piven action movie. It took me eight seconds, Eagle. Smoke and Aces, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Smoke and Aces. So, so, I'll read you this cast. Ryan Reynolds, Ben you... Affleck, Jason Bateman, Common, Andy Garcia, Alicia Keys, uh, Ray Liotta, Chris Pine, Matthew Fox. Yeah, that's a that's a good run. Uh, that's a good. The anger of a cast, right? So you have yeah. Rico Tolino, Zachary Alberts Gill, Doug Kernan, Mike Francesi, Andrew Ledoux, Brandon Taylor, Kenny Boutelier. This team should be awesome, right? But I'm kind of with you. Much like Smoke and Aces, kind of just missed the mark. I think. This is just off a beat. Evan Eli Nolet hasn't thrown in a while. His system, I think, is simplistic for this division. Um, I, I He's going to struggle to build his pieces. I don't know if Doug McKernan can co- coach him up because they're so different in style. Um, so I'm going to see how that develops. The one thing they have working for them is much like that cast. It seems to be a group of buds who really get along. Uh, it seems to be a group of people who have played together in, in the past. So I'm hoping if they turn it around. Uh, but my, my worry is that um, when we get to the end credits, when we get to the end of the runtime, we're going to be left dissatisfied. I'm going to phobe it. I'm sorry. Uh, you guys just seem like smoking aces. Yeah, just as simple as it gets. Um, and that is our coverage for Division 4A. Do you have uh, any other movies? Because I have one in mind that might segue us into our next topic. Uh, actually A League of the rated Own. 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. Nice. Uh, Ocean's 8, which brings us to the women's division. Wait, how was that movie over 40%? It was atrocious. I, I, honestly, I Googled it because Ju- I thought it was going to be under, Robert- that number surprised me. Julia Roberts plays a character and also herself. So in this universe, she's acknowledging that she looks like herself. Stavon and the Julia Roberts. Yeah. It's so nonsensical. I was thinking actually a good woman, a good movie featuring women. Um, it's on. No, unfortunately not. Uh, it's a 1992 sport comedy f- called The League of Their Own featuring Gina Davis and Madonna. It's on Prime Video. I don't know why I'm doing an ad read for Amazon. They're not a sponsor. I'm exhausted. <laughs> but let's, let's get to the women's division. So um, I'm quick so things excited off the bat this. here. There's uh, – okay, they've already been removed. Actually, no, we're good. Never mind, never mind. Uh, we have cool. 11 teams in the women's yeah. division. I'm, First off, can I'm, we just talk I'm about so how impressive that is? Yeah, me too. I'm happy. That's awesome. It's it's as good as it gets. Um, I I had I was happy we were getting a um, a co-ed division when we did, and I was worried it went at times when it was struggling, and that's sort of solidifying itself. So much that we've got two, the women's division uh, coming up, and uh, essentially being uh, this strong so early on is absolutely impressive. Um, so I, I actually have beef 
to the schedule maker for this schedule that they put out because there are crossover okay. games, obviously, between them. And in week one, you have all five of the tier one teams play all of the tier two teams. Yeah. Why I would you that do too. that? Why would you do that? Like, get, literally, get out of the way. Go no no. Think about it. If that's your first game in Flag Plus, and you're playing against the Concordia women's team, do you think you have any chance in that game? Do you really think you have any chance when you're like, how oh, we're are, gonna go how, play the football? Why are why are they why aren't they ranked first? Because they oh, have the least plus minus. Imagine. No, but no, because they they. I don't. Know. It's points against the first tie break, right? So they should be tied at first or i don't know it's a weird rant no it's because it's they're divisional for some reasons marked as zero i don't know there's a bug we got to fix the bug okay but, but um, just look, look so, at these scores like th this is this should not have been a week one schedule i, I Granted, asked, this should have been week I, seven admittedly so fine but i asked uh Alexis Dubois, who's writing for this division uh what he thought uh if he had any storylines and the first storyline he said was lack of parody and i don't think it's lack of parody so much as just you know, Division One is much stronger than Division Two, right? Like, mm. tier, or Tier One stronger than Tier Two, um, and we saw that um, th four of the five teams allowed less than fourteen points, mm. right? So you can't expect a lot of wins. That said, like, don't you think it's better in some ways to get that loss out of the way, that scheduled loss? I it kind of feels guess. like college football in that way, right? I mean, I like guess the, the early so. losses hurt less. I just I look at it as if you're and I, I, we've all been in the situation, right? Everyone has their first FPF game. So if you've registered for a division to play as as a women's team against other women's teams, and your first game is against um, an opponent of which they know what they're doing, and you're you kind of don't, or maybe not at the same level. I just feel that's a little bit like. Not the best first impression, obviously. Uh, yes, it has to happen, but it would have been better if there was interdivisional play in Tier 2 and interdivisional play in Tier 1. Like I said, because we technically started Week 7, it was probably planned for in Week 1 to have that happen, and now we're just at that point in the season. So it's a little unfortunate that that's the first experience. I guess the overall message is this should not happen in the future, and hopefully your games are more fair. That's kind of the whole way I'm looking at yeah. it. The, um, the Concordia women, of course, led by my favorite FPF quarterback and Sarah Parker, uh, coming off that uh, championship win, I believe, in Tampa, Florida. Um, so, like, you know, you have a, a literal international champion quarterbacking the team. Uh, Sana Ali scoring three touchdowns, uh, basically unguardable in this game. Chelsea Morgan, uh, Carolyn Mokin-Joubert. It's, it's just, it's a who's who of of women's flag football um on the other side red nation couldn't get anything going you know i'll give a shout out in a sense to allison sobel i know the five interceptions are ugly for sure that said allison moved the ball like she completed 14 passes we've we spent three hours talking about uh men's divisions where guys were completing single uh you know single uh not even double digit uh pass pass attempts right so like you know we see guys completing seven passes eight passes and so on allison's moving the ball right and and yep. um jasmine bethlemy of course uh being the most heavily targeted along with geraldine uh cabillo abante uh i promise your names will get more familiar and um i i will uh of course not have to lead the show um and lamise aljundi finds herself on this team as well so 
Um, I know there's knowledge on this team. They're just outclass. I, I expect Red Nation to be more competitive in, in future weeks. Um, they they have a game this week against The Rock. I think this will be a more competitive game. Although The Rock are at least a uh, um, a more a team that's more experienced in FPF. So we'll also, have to see I how that. Also, can I just appreciate up. the fact that there were a significant number of plays in this game? Because normally you see a score this high, this heavy, and you think it as like you know. 20, 30 plays that happened in the game. And it's just like a very like laborious game. But this is, mm-hmm. a, this is a fast-paced game if you're getting like over almost 60 plays in, in a game. Right? I I, th- I think that's what happened. Like, so like just Sarah Parker's efficiency on offense keeps that offense going. And then there's the pressure to get, we've talked about before. Like uh, you've seen me, for example, run Noah Huddle. And then the other team, for some reason, decides to run really fast pace just because of the pressure of like, oh, look how fast this other team is moving. And, you know, Sarah Parker is as efficient a passer as there is in all of FPF. Yeah, so uh, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Brutes took it to strangers. Um, and Brutes and Concordia will face each other in week two. But I want to draw attention because this isn't sort of FPF royalty the same way, um, you know, uh, Sarah Parker is, right? Like, Maud Lacasse is not as well known. Uh, she goes for over 200 yards. Um Three incompletions all game. Um, Annabelle Chevre, uh putting up a couple scores, catching every target. Uh, Lalance Pompriand, of course, we know her a little bit here. Uh, she's got three touchdowns in this game. Um, just total domination start to finish. Uh, 54 points. Doesn't matter who you're playing. That's impressive. Yeah, I agree. In comparison to the other game, this game only had 41 plays, right? Or like maybe a little bit of running and everything and very little yards. And like you mentioned, Pease, the completions to incompletions ratio for uh, Morgan uh, Cosimon. I can't read that right. Valois. Cosimano Valois. How did you get the Ita- the Italian sounding name wrong? It's because it's too small. I can't. It's blurred for me. Um, okay. So the that's that's obviously intimidating. But again, Brutes are probably going to be one of the stronger teams uh, in the, the tier one grouping. So you can kind of see why that happens. Yeah, I think like I think Brutes have uh, sorry, Strangers have uh, some stuff to build on, and Sandrine Deschen, Lessard uh, being the favorite target. Of course, she she scored the only touchdown, and on defense, Celia Lamar getting a sack, getting a PD. Uh, to me, that's huge. Um, but on the other side, to me, just the three-headed monster of uh, Annabelle Chevrier, Laurence Pompriand, and uh, Alexis Gal Gal sorry Galreno. Um, French names are my kryptonite, by the way. I have a hard time with them. Um, but uh, again, trying to get them right by the season's end. But then on defense, dude, six interceptions. Uh, and Maud Lacasse helping out her own cause with a pick six, uh, being two interceptions. As a quarterback, though, do you want to get the pick six or do you want to pad your passing stats? Um, so team, team, first, team first move there by Maud Lacasse scoring in the pick six. I mean, I was going to say, normally, if it's a tight game, I think you want the, uh, I think you don't want the pick six. I just want the intercept. It obviously depends on what moment in the game it is. If it's a blowout, who cares at that point, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on whether you want to control the pacing of the game and just, you know, INT and try and get a stop on defense or whether you really want to just get the ball back and try and counter it. I would say you're probably better off just the INT by itself. But, I mean, it depends on the game situation. What's what's interesting, too, is... Uh... She hit Pompriant for a 10-yard touchdown on the first drive. On the other side, uh, Deshane Lessard scored a 45-yard touchdown on the on the first completion of the game for Strangers, and then, like, nothing else. That's that's a rough game to play. 
Um, you know, meanwhile, Pembrien basically capping off this uh, just methodical drive. And I think that's what we're going to see from Maud Lacasses. You know, maybe not the most high-flying offense, but an offense that's going to put up yards just by virtue of constantly being on the move, right? Like, um, it's the kind of offense, it's not always looking to take the big strike, but it's going to take what's there and then capitalize when you make a mistake. And, and that's that's what we saw from Roots in the first week. So that actually brings us to a conversation we're going to have regarding next week's schedule. So uh, we mentioned it earlier on in the show, Chris Rive is our Game of the Week videographer who goes and basically produces a filmed version of one of the games every week. And this particular week is going to be the matchup of Concordia versus Brutes. Um, yeah. So very cool to just have a women's game on film which as the first one. That's going to be awesome. Your thoughts very on this game in terms of you know what you expect to see. Um, obviously, Concordia is the known team going yeah. against Brutes, which are the up-and-comers, I guess you can say for now. So are you expecting domination? Are you expecting them to, like, Concordia stand out? Is this going to be a closer game? Um, what's your thoughts? I, I think um, Maud Lacasse is going to struggle to move the ball the same way she did against uh, Strangers. I think that she'll have to take more chances than she did in the first game. Uh, whereas I think Concordia are just a machine at this point. Um, and, and we have a quarterback in, um, we have a quarterback in uh, Sarah Parker that can attack at all three levels, right? So it, it's not just necessarily moving, uh, moving with intermediate passes. It's not just necessarily taking shots on field. She can literally attack at all levels. Um, and the, the familiarity with their players to me is going to be the strength, um, for brutes. Like I said, we, we saw, we saw sort of what their makeup is. And I think Point Perrien is going to be going to have to be the game breaker for them, but I think it's going to have to be more than just the intermediate. It's going to have to be more than just yards after the catch. Uh, we're going to have to see some bigger plays, uh, kind of like we saw from Annabelle Chavrier in the first game. Um, that, that's, that's how I see it playing out. Eagle, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I can kind of see it being the same way. I think the overall experience uh, of Concordia is probably going to be somewhat dominant. That being said, I think, if there is going to be a team in the women's tier one that's going to show some of the flaws potentially in a Concordia, it might be the Brutes. I don't think Les Bleus Framoros and uh, Bleu Pou are going to be as close. So definitely it's going to be a good challenge just to see exactly how good Concordia is as compared to the other teams and whether uh, they're yeah. going to be the chasers for the entire season or not. Yeah, we'll see that, of course, uh, after, after the video drops. We're not really doing picks this week uh, because it's only you and I on the show. Um, but what's your pick for this game? Uh, I'm going to go with Concordia, and I'm going to put a score of 37 to 19. All right. I'm going to go uh, Concordia as well. I think uh, it's going to be a pretty high-flying game. I'm going to go with a score of 44 to 39. Oh, wow. Really? That yeah, I think it's going to be a barn burner. Barn burner. I'm very excited. Okay. And plus, I, you, know my, you know my feelings. Defense is stupid. Defense. You keep saying that, but that's just because you don't know how to I, I would, I would re I would rate defense under 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. <laughs> this brings us to our last segment here 
The mailbag. I'm very excited about this. Uh, so, so, just so you know, on my screen, since I've come back, um, I, I can't see this. I can't see the uh, shared screen anymore. I can't even wow. see you. You've it's been, grayed you've been out. Running so. blind this entire time. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you didn't tell me. And I now have an echo. Now, yeah, because now you can actually see everything. But I have an echo auditorially. Well, that sucks to be you. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Let's do the mailbag. All right. Uh, so mailbag. So these are questions that were sent in to us from our Instagram page. So do you want me to stop? I can't. Okay. I, I don't know what to do. This All is right. dreadful. We're going to stop doing this. Here, I'm going to do it without sound. So we can just this. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to see anything. Just read me the questions. This is perfect. Okay. This is good? Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, no problem. All because I clicked back. Building the ship as we fly. Uh, so we mm -hmm. have 10 questions, so let's not try to spend too much time on all of them here, but we want to get through them all. Um, but we're going to go through them in the order they were submitted. So we're going to start with the first one here, which is submitted from at Manuel Alain Roy, uh, with a general question of any tips for new teams? Um, so I'll start with this because, again, every episode is someone's new episode. I started my FPF career on the worst team in FPF history. The team was called Punch Panda. Look it up. We were dreadful. Uh, the way that we got better was talking to experienced FPF players. You have the media. You have teams you play against. We post our finals. The finals are a great way to see what good teams do because they made the finals. And you get uh, different angles. You get replays to see what successful teams do use that to build your offensive system you don't need 50 plays you need four to five plays um in in on any given week start with that uh build off of that on defense eagle what do you suggest um i think on defense the easiest thing to do is understand a system um the way i always look at it is if you're going to play man coverage your biggest weakness is going to be your worst defender if you play zone coverage, your biggest weakness is you operating as a unit. So you have to figure out the situation of which defense you want, at what point in time do you want it, and then understand who's responsible for what in those systems. Start very simple. Don't worry about disguising your coverage necessarily. Just start with a very simple system and go with that. Absolutely. All right, our next one is going to be from underscore Dobzy, uh, wanting us to comment. Oh, it could be anybody. About, could be anybody. Uh, wanted to comment about uh, Will Power going 13 for 14 in a seven-touchdown game with TakeOver. Um, yeah, he, he suffered Ian, uh, I, sorry, Ian Ebert, uh, as we call him on the show. Um, look, Will has all of the physical tools to play quarterback in FPF. He's played the position before he's uh played with very good play callers so he's able to absorb knowledge really quickly he's also a guy who's played in multiple flag leagues uh at varying you know uh, varying divisions and he's got sort of this understanding and this quest for knowledge so it doesn't surprise me because usually you get one or the other right especially in low divisions you get guys who are physically capable or you get guys who are good play callers but he has the benefit that he has both and he's adapted to that quickly uh all right our next oh, i'm also not gonna say a bad word about my boy right like no i get it, so I get he's, it. he's one of my close friends so uh but you know that those are my thoughts anyway all right next one here is gonna be from at dan lazara 12 
Who is the better candidate for quarterback of the year, Andrew Langford or Jeremy White? And I imagine this refers to Division Three, with Sheesh and uh, EZW being the ones he's referring to. So the the rule now is you can win an award if you didn't win in a higher division? Uh. Yes, you get nominated, and you can get nominated for stuff if you're outside of it. Yes, but so like like so Stephen Harpersod can win in Div Three, right? Uh, yes. So we're forgetting the best quarterback in the division on purpose, or do you find it's actually that though? You find that's actually true? Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. He's the best quarterback in the division, but let's give it to Jeremy White because he's a nice guy, and he's got that ridiculous ability to buy time and. Sure. If I, if I'm not if I'm not giving it to Stephen H, I'll give it to Jeremy White. Andrew Langbert, I think, will be in the mix as well, though. So it'll it'll be fun. Who do you say? Uh, I don't care. I don't do awards. Yeah, I know. Neither do I. <laughs> it's the thing I care least about. I literally pulled myself out of that responsibility. But you have to pick a name. This is sports radio. LeBron uh, or Jordan? You can't say you like both. That's illegal. Why not? Because it's illegal, dude. I don't make the rules of sports radio. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut the trophy in half, and then they can fight over which side's which. King Solomon, I like it. All right, next one is going to be from Cujo9, and it says, uh, Gryffindor uh, has been added to the Division I grouping, and how is that going to affect the schedule? So I know we mentioned it earlier. This is kind of a late update to it. Uh, This is, I think, Dan Lazara's squad featuring the usual group of the Controversy, Contraban, Con, I don't know, other parodies of Mocon's name. So what are your thoughts in terms of Gryffindor and the impact that's going to be in Div 1? Um... So there were, there, there were the team that was added late to, but no, but they, you're saying this is like a, who's on this were, roster exactly? Yeah. So on this roster, actually, let's go check it out just so you can get a look at it. Cause I know. This because I don't know if they, were they, were they a team who just got moved into division one? No, no. So yeah, they, they, they didn't register and now they they've basically been added. Exactly. Yeah. So right now we actually don't have the roster specifically, but I know it's Dan Lazara's squad. Oh, okay. So, so I'm less worried. I thought it was just a random team that could have literally been anybody. If Dan Lazare is throwing, they're going to be, uh, if not championship relevant, at least hyper competent. But uh, you know, Dan Lazare is coming off his first uh, spring championship, so I, I think they'll be good. I, I, I again, it's hard to say without without knowing that and knowing what uh, to make of the roster. I can't imagine Dan entered a bad roster. Um, on on your end, Eagle, you explained sort of how it's going to work, which, which is what the question actually was. So, yeah, I think uh, we figured it out from from an administrative standpoint, and I think they'll figure it out in the season. All right, our next one is from at Darius Eight. And this is a question regarding the new flag belts. So I know we've kind of had weird seasons in the past, right, where uh, they haven't been full. We just completed the FPF Cup 2021 this past fall, um, but not everyone has played in it, obviously. And since the last full official FPF season, we've switched the flag belts from the triple threat, which was the belt with the three straps, into the pop ones, which are more the standard international flag belts that are used elsewhere with the pops. Um, mm-hmm. And so just a general question in terms of the flags and general reviews and feedback that people have gotten from it. My side, from a defense perspective, it's much harder because you can't just swipe at their waist to get the flag. You actually have to get the flag. So juking is much more powerful now. In an offense that requires um, 
guys to get yards after the catch. I gotta say, I love these flag belts. It's such an advantage for the offense. It's um, it's cool because look, this is the standard belt. In the past, you used to be able to just literally pull on the belt, and all that would come undone. If you do that now, you're gonna get a holding penalty, because uh, I've had to do it, uh, and a couple of times I've had to play defense. And it's literally been that or a touchdown because I've had a hard time grabbing these flags. But as an offensive player, man, I'm telling you, I love these flags. I love these flags. Thank you to whoever created them. All right. Our next one is going to be from at I am the supervillain. So referring to the finessers in 4B being used as a mop to clean the floor, losing 39 to nothing. Any thoughts? Um, I believe that is um, the what was it? The Brazilian, well, I, I can't remember anything today. What was Bacalani's uh, nickname? The Mapanguara. The Mapanguara. The Brazilian Mapanguara. I believe that to be his account. Um, I can never understand finessers. Um, I think Ryan Kroof just throws some routes too hard. He still throws too many tackle concepts, which is too safe, uh, given what, what, you know, guys can't get blown up in a, in a flag game. Um they went up against a good team, right? Like, so uh, Rinaldi throws the ball just as well for for Honey Martin. Um, you know, that team having Iggy, having James Langshaw, Kareem Chilcott, uh, William, uh, no, William Powers on that team, but the, the, the rest of those guys, um, that's, that's a solid squad, man. That's a solid squad, and they have one of the best throwers of the football uh, along with the finessers, uh, Ryan Karouf. So um, I don't, they're, the finessers should always dominate every division they're in and never seem to. So I hope they turn it around quickly. Okay. Next is going to be from at Dante Sparagna with a humble brag on his brother's behalf. The best dual threat quarterback in Division 5 is Santino Sparagna in a 12-point comeback win. My response to this is, why were you down by 12 points to begin with? Well, because he only realizes dual threatness in the second half, obviously. Uh, the Spiranis are really good, man. Um, honestly, um, this was not Dante. What, what's the what's the dude's name? Santino. Santino. Santino Spirania is, uh, yeah, absolutely double threat. They're, they're both really good athletes. But, like, where's the sibling rivalry? Like, why aren't you throwing your brother under the bus? Why aren't you saying you're the best Spirania? What, what's, what is it with siblings these days, man? Like back in my day, the only way you can eliminate sibling rivalry is having one kid. Okay. What? <laughs> I'm tired, man. It's four hours. It's true. It's true. All right. Next one is from Dak Eagle. I wonder who that is. Uh, what's Everybody. with those new pennies? If you haven't seen them yet, they are a checkered board of rainbows. So I developed the Hot Sauce Sports jersey so that no one would have the same color scheme as us. And first, the first week, we played a team with almost the exact same color. I promise nobody will have the same uh, color as these pennies. They are every color. They actually look kind of awesome. I got to say, I thought I'd hate them more than I would. Uh, they look better than the disgusting ones you've had up to this point. So I got to say, they actually, they actually look not terrible. Hopefully, uh, they'll be washed. Second to last one. At Iggy Man saying, Honey Martin, eight no false kings. Thoughts? Why eight no? Don't we play ten games? Are they going to just forfeit two games? So eight and two? How, what? What are you talking about? He said eight and oh. No, ain't no false kings. Oh. Well, that's false. We all know the false kings. 
Um, so like, you know, some roster improvements because obviously they weren't good enough in the first place, right? That's why they, they made roster improvements. But uh, I would say, uh, no, I stand by it. Uh, they've not yet proven to not be uh, false kings. They beat a team that uh, were basically used as mops, as uh, Alex, as uh, the Mapangora said, right? So um, I think I think they're pretty false. We'll, we'll have to check on their schedule as the season goes on. Eagle, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I usually run metrics and analytics about halfway through the season, so... Um... We'll find out. Gut check. I look at it. Gut yeah. check. Let's do it. What is it? My gut. My gut check is they're going to be false kings, just because that's been the tradition. So there we go. Once, once you earn the crown, you uh, heavy is the crown. Man, I'm not making sense anymore. Let's. End, is there anything else? We have we one last one, and oh I think God, this I'm is dying. the the example of how to engage with us in the media team. So this is from at Ben Levy saying, "Can you talk about new teams?" So Ben. Just for you, I have looked up your profile on our site, and I know you are playing for the Flamingos. So congratulations. We're going to do a quick analysis of the Flamingos because you've managed to get your name in our show. So Division 6, Flamingos played against Toon Squad 12-7 to in this game. Uh, is that Ari Itowich? Went 7 for 17, 1 for 1, 59 yards. Ben Levy carrying the offensive duties. Good job there. Also carrying the defense with three tackles and two interceptions. So clearly making yourself a household name already. That's awesome. Uh, and this is Div, this uh, Div 6. This is Div 6. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to do my write-up uh, for this week. Uh, so, first of all, Ben, nice to meet you, dude. I'm covering your division. Uh, you know... Great game. You should have caught more than half your targets, but uh, let's pretend it's the quarterback's fault. But as a quarterback, I'm never going to do that. So I'm just doing that for your benefit. Uh, they had a tough challenge in the first week. They they go up against a team that has Gardner Ross as a confident quarterback, Charles Presser, who's a very good two-way player, uh, who scored and got an interception, right? So uh, clearly a tough uh, tough task for, for them. And they only allowed 12 points. So um, I'm curious to see how... They're going to face, you know, how they're going to fare in their game against Wild Hogs this week. Um, I'm kind of excited about this team because they basically are a group of completely new players, right? So we don't know what to make of it. It's what makes covering Division Six so challenging. It's why you have the head of FPF Media covering Division Six because it's a really tough task because there's so many unknowns. So um, I do wish them good luck. I do hope their jerseys are pink. If they're not pink, the hell are you doing? Like, you can't call yourself Flamingos and not have a pink jersey. Um, so hopefully you ma you made the right decisions by ordering the right color, and that'll allow you to win games. That's all the analysis I can make because I haven't seen you play yet. Uh, I will do my best to make it out to see every Div 16 before the end of the season. But scheduling is tough because players don't all play in the same field at the same time. So... We'll have to see how that shakes out. I will get information from the scorekeepers, other players, and you can also feel free to reach out to us. Tell me, tell us about your game. Tell me about your game. Uh, I'd love to hear it. I love talking flag very clearly. I've done so for three straight hours, and now I'm exhausted. And that's going to be our show for this week. Thank you, Mo Khan, right. for letting us talk, just the two of us. Hey. Dick.
Sorry, I, mean, I shouldn't be swearing at the show. I'm just exhausted. It's been fun to be back. Let's just say that. Oh, it's a blast. It's a blast. And uh, Eagle, it's been fun to have you contribute to content more this way. Just what people don't understand is the things we have to do to get keep the show running. It's hard to do it just so the two of us. So much going on behind the scenes here. <laughs> so not like not only for 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 me, where I now need to lead the show and also analyze things on the fly, because Mo will usually set me up. And like I don't even enjoy to do it this way because I can't make the jokes and things that I typically do. I I am happy we got to do that game though because it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so I I do enjoy the ridiculousness of it. Um, and Eagle, on your end, you're constantly looking stuff up for us I'm while stuff up. I'm doing the production. Sets. You guys can't see this, but there's a literal studio here of all the equipment and everything. So yeah. This will be our new home for the next few weeks as we get ready uh, for the rest of the season. Mo and P's are going to be here. We'll have the full setup. We'll have guest interviews. We'll probably call a few of you up, get a few questions in. Might as well. The mailbox will still be open for future weeks. Thank you for contributing. Honestly, a fun segment. like doing that. So more of that to come in the future yeah. for sure. That was awesome. So uh, for those who have tuned in for this hour, thank you. For those who followed us on YouTube, please continue to do so. Uh, Get us also on wherever you get your podcast, whether Spotify, it's Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google yeah. Casting, directly on all the big ones. Where we're hosted, for that matter. Yeah, all the big ones were there. So, so if you want to listen to your cars uh, and you don't want to use up all your streaming on YouTube, makes a ton of sense. So, get us uh, auditorially. Um, for those who have stuck around for all three hours, thank you, thank you, Eagle, for all the work you've done today. Thank you, Mo, for nothing, but most of all, thank you all for letting me be myself. Take off my pants? No, leave them on. <laughs>